Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt, and today we speak to Miss Jody Renosa and Mr. Will Nutter, aka Johan Fritz, regarding unknown PTSD drama. They discovered a complex childhood involvement in a top secret space program involving. Super soldiers, aliens, Nazis, time travel, and it leads back to ancient folklore of Atlantis, Lemuria, and metaphysics. Now, this messy psyops reached the Ascended Masters, higher dimensional beings, archangels, and source itself to send back a legion of ancient wise souls to help clean up this doozy. So, with further ado, Miss Jody and Mr. Will, welcome to Recover Chakras. Thank you for having us on. Thank you, Thank us you on. so much, Vaughn. Yeah, I, I, I had so much fun talking with you guys before the recording. So we have so much good stuff to talk about. But we're going to talk about SSP. Um, for the, most people, when they come into your work, they're coming in for inter, interest in the SSP. But before we go into that program that you guys uncovered, um, can you tell us how your PTSD counseling uncovered unknown trauma in a secret space program. You should go first, babe. Okay, so <laughs> um, I think for me, um, the trauma discovery went hand in hand with my family and with then discovering that it had to do with my family involvement in the SSP. So discovering the SSP programs later in life, in my adult life, and then connecting the dots and saying, wow, this actually happened when I was a child. And even when I was a newborn, we were at, Will and I were actually talking about this this morning, um, about some near death experience mm -hmm. things that happened when I was five. And I actually said, you know what? I, spirit told me that I actually had two near death experiences. One when I was a newborn and one when I was five. And um, the newborn experience actually was confirmed by Peter the Insider that that happened to be some SSP involvement where there was a doctor who went into the hospitals to try to um, had do some experiments on newborns and young children to get them involved in the SSP programs, um, dealing with DNA and certain lineages to get them involved with because of either their their spiritual lineage or because of um, different um, things that they could do either psychically 
Um, so just putting all of that together in a nutshell, as an adult, learning of my PTSD um, was heavy. <laughs> and so um, oftentimes when I had therapy, I would disassociate and my therapist would say, Jody, do you realize you're disassociating? And I said, what does that mean? And no, I don't. Because <laughs> at the time I was just learning about all this stuff. So mm -hmm. I just thought I was thinking of things that were happening and I would go back to the time or I'd go back to almost this other dimension. And she's like, that's what we call in the psychology word, world disassociation. And I said, oh, I do that all the time. And she said, okay, that is, that is because trauma, you, you've experienced so much trauma. And when you've dealt with that in your own life, you just kind of think it's normal. <laughs> You know, you're just kind of dealing with this stuff. But she said, that's not normal. Just so you know, that's not normal. And so I kind of had to understand, okay, what is normal? What isn't normal? Um, and I also um, realized that my sister was involved in the programs. I also realized that as far as my parents, whether they were even conscious about this or not, they had the, um, I, I don't know if I even want to say the position, but the, um, the handler type of, um, scenario going on with me. And, uh, my mom actually went through a lot of trauma herself. So did my dad. So I think it's like an onion where you peel back a lot of the layers as you go through life and you start healing one layer and then you find another layer that you need to heal. And even today, I'm still doing the healing as I'm helping others heal as well. Right. Um, before we go to to Will's um, experience, what got him into this, uh, let me ask you a couple of questions about um, your background that opened you up to this. Um, first of all, who is a what is a handler? Yeah. So somebody who basically they whether they're conscious or not about it, they're kind of leading you to certain things, like for instance. Um, pushing you into a certain um, area, um, whether it's military, whether it's um, like hardcore athletics to get you trained in a certain way, um, whether it's getting you psychologically thinking in a certain way. Um, it could be indoctrinating you a certain way. Right. And training you and messing you and whether it's even religious um, ways. Um, th there's many dynamics to this. So mm -hmm. for my dad specifically, um, you know, my whole, both sides of my family are military. So he had a certain way about him. He was very stringent. Um, he had this kind of regime of, um, the way he dealt with the family, especially me. I was dealt with in a very different way than my, the rest of my siblings. Um, there is nothing I could get away with at all. Um, I was also psych psychologically pitted against other siblings, like on purpose. Uh, so it was, it, there was like a lot of psychological trauma as well. Um, yeah, there, there was just physical stuff. Um, it, there, it was just oftentimes, especially people in the programs, they deal with physical abuse. They deal with families who um, are either, um, there's like this distance too about it where either the mom or the dad, uh, maybe they have so much going on 
with either other siblings or work or something, there's not a lot of emotional warmth. So uh, there's that too. And it's like, they, they don't keep an eye on you necessarily. So a lot can happen too. So certain people can come in from the outside world and mm-hmm. say, oh, well, I think you should do this. Or for instance, um, when I was five, I got off the bus and there was this unmarked white van and um, two gentlemen were there and they basically pinned me against a bar- barbed wire fence and were just laughing about it. And I, I thought they were going to kidnap me because in the eighties, like, like there were mm-hmm. you know kids on milk cartons all the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I'm going to be kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just ran. And luckily I got away, but my neighbors weren't home. It was like almost a mile away to my home. And I, it was, it was awful. So that right there, like built up some trauma. So it was these types of things. And my mom didn't, she just didn't make it to the bus stop. She she decided to go shopping, you know, grocery shopping an hour away with a friend and didn't make it back. So (laughs) it's just like those types of things building up. Um, So those memories, um, sometimes uh, you still frame on them and you have to understand, uh, through therapy and, and through doing the healing work, how to build new neuropathways in your brain to then move on and understand, okay, how can I feel safe? Um, where is their safety and is there safety, you know, in this life? And sometimes people just never get to that point, but I have gotten to a point where if I feel aligned with divine creator, I feel I'm always safe. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm now teaching seventh grade, which is a completely different, you know, employment mm. adventure for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we were reading this one excerpt and I said, what are you going to infer that that happens next? You know, and they said, oh my gosh, this one character is going to steal her money and they're going to do this, this, and this. And I said, wow, you guys have had some really pessimistic things that have must have happened to you. Mm-hmm. I said, well, no, it's just the, the world is so horrible out there. There's so many horrible things that happen. And I said, but what about the good things that have happened? You know, have you ever had any of those things happen? And they're like, well, and I said, what about this? And I start naming some things. I go, have you ever had somebody at Starbucks, for instance, pay for you? And then it starts this, you know, pay it forward type of thing. And they said, Oh, maybe. And so I start giving them examples and then it starts being like this contagious energy where they, they then go, Oh yeah. What about this one time? Yeah, that's right. So I think if you focus on the negative, that's going to be perpetuated. If you focus on the positive, then yes, that's going to, you're going to attract that. So you have to somehow get to the point where you feel like the universe supports you. You feel that divine creator, no matter what has your back. And that's the point where I've, I've gotten to thank goodness, but it's mm-hmm. taken a while, you know, and you, you kind of have to be on your game with that every single day. And that's why it, they call it a practice. <laughs> right, right, right. Now, um, will Describe your near-death experience where you talked to Yeshua, which is what the, the East calls for Jesus, uh, for two months um, during your, your NDE, but it was only maybe 20 minutes overall in 3D Earth time. And this is part of how you uncovered your PTSD and uncovered that the traumas that you were experiencing weren't just normal childhood traumas, but it was something more. Yeah, so I had been, um, I guess before this incident occurred, I had went through about a year and a half of counseling 
uh, which I've talked about in my, my online testimony previously, uh, where I had been regressed and all kinds of crazy stuff was coming up. I didn't have a process at the time. Um, and at a certain point, I basically stopped processing it because I, I just got overloaded. And this is something that happens frequently with people when they're, when they're unsure how to move forward in terms of working their emotions and kind of getting through certain things. They hit these like blocks and I was hitting some serious blocks because I felt like um, I didn't know what to do with this information. So I, I'm the kind of person that I will put something to the side for a little bit and just see what happens. I'll say, okay, if this, if this is really what I think this is, then I'll, I'll, I'll get confirmation from this somewhere else. Right. Well, that was, I, the counseling stopped in 96. Um, I put this stuff on a back burner around 2000. Didn't have anything of this show up again until 2012. And in December 19th, 2012, uh, well, the whole year of 2012 really was kind of a really strange year for, for me. From January to December, I'd been in the ER about twice a month because of these allergy related issues that kept kind of cropping up. And I just, at the time I didn't realize it was an allergy. I thought something was actually more serious, but the allergies were actually causing me to get into the ER because I couldn't breathe. And um, the last time it happened was December 19th. Um, I went in, I basically, I went in, the doctor basically told me that he thought I was having um, a panic attack. But here's the thing, right? So I would be at home. I would have the allergy attack happen. I would go to the ER, which has HEPA filters in the airflow, which is removing the, the contagion, the allergen. So it would stop while I'm in there. He prescribes medication that actually is designed to essentially break uh, the conscious control of the medulla, which is your parasympathetic system. And that particular drug, um, was the actual thing that I ended up, ended up actually putting me in, in death. Um, mm. So I go home and uh, at, after I got home, I started having these attacks again because all of our windows were open. The allergen was coming in and it was essentially attacking my lungs and my sinus system. And uh, I thought, okay, well, I need to do something because I, I don't know what else to take. I've already, I, I can't go to the ER again. I felt I was in this really desperate kind of situation and took the medication and I knew the minute it actually went into my stomach, I had this weird sort of like, um, not only a gut feeling, but like a spiritual feeling that something really bad was about to happen. And within about 10 to 15 minutes, I ended up blacking out on the bed. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember kind of my body kind of going limp. I do remember that happening and kind of falling back on the bed. Um, I don't remember, I don't remember anything up until the point which I actually was looking down at my own body. I literally had left my own body and when I kind of came to, I was looking at my own face and I could see my lips were blue. Uh, I could see myself when it fell on my hand. It was on the floor. I could see the time on it. Um, I could hear my sister's dog trying to get in the door. He was trying to like get into where I was. Um, I can hear all these noises going on around in the room. And next thing I know, my the silver cord that attached me to my body essentially snapped. And uh, I felt like I was slingshot 
in into the etheric realms essentially um basically what happens is i'm gonna kind of abbreviate some things because it's a really kind of long story but the idea is is that after i got into what i initially thought was heaven which wasn't heaven uh i ended up interfacing with a couple of archangels one of those archangels eventually brings me into right to the gate of heaven um the thing that i noticed was is that what i saw not all the beings that were in heaven were human there were many many races that were all uh, essentially acknowledging the divine creator and um that was the first time i saw beings that were non-human like consciously remember seeing the way they looked in their light body spiritual form and how they were um essentially pure in, in that particular instance they were in a pure form they were not corrupted by a body and as these beings were coming into the, the gate area um gabriel who's the archangel walking with me uh, another malcolm essentially stopped me and gabriel actually pushed him out of the way and he said i need to take him to michael Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is that uh, as we're walking through the, I would call it the streets of heaven, quote unquote, I finally met Michael and we were chatting. And um, the, the next incident is where I actually met uh, Yeshua, Jesus. Um, I'm standing there. And as Michael and I are talking, we're looking right at the Temple Mount, looking into where the divine creator is sitting on the throne. And I could see these individuals like walking around doing their doing their tasks as they were assigned to do. And I see this green orb start passing through my my spiritual body. And as it's happening, I'm watching this these weird little golden tangles being pulled out of my light body. And basically, um, it looked like they're being pushed out of my light body. And everything is being made whole. And at that time, I, I was like, what is this? And it hadn't clicked in my head yet that that green energy was the heart chakra space that Christ essentially, the Christ consciousness essentially inhabits. Mm-hmm. And as I, as I, when that, when that thought clicked in my head, I knew exactly it was staying behind me. And I turned around and I saw the person that I call Jesus. Um, I saw his face. I knew. I knew the minute I saw him. Um, I also knew exactly why he was there. And we did. We started chatting. It's like, it's like I had all these questions I wanted to ask. And I felt like I'd returned home to me. That's the only way I can describe it. It was completely unconditional love being in that space. So I asked him all these different questions about you know dogma, about politics, about humans, about why were there ETs up here as well? You know, all these different things that were kind of going on. And um, he he was very direct with me in terms of his responses. And at the end of that exchange, essentially what he said was he's like, he made, I asked a very direct question. I said, so why is it that the church, the churches have a, have a very different understanding of you? And he kind of looked at me. He said, well, he goes, my children have lost their way. You get a, and when I looked at him, I said, can I come back? Because I knew, I knew that he was going to make me leave. I told him, I was like, I didn't want to leave. But he, when, he, when he said I had to go back, I said, well, can I come back? And he's, he's, he's like, well, when, you're, when your job down there is done, you can come back. And he walked, so, he walked up to me and he touched me right on the forehead. 
He said, I want you to remember me. I've told you. And when he touched me, essentially, I felt like I was ejected out of heaven. I was in this really fast free fall. Now, I'm saying this as someone who is a combat paratrooper, okay? I know what free fall feels like, and this is even faster than that. But what ended up happening was it stopping right above my body. It was like that someone had shoved the brakes on. I was like, whoop. And I'm looking at my body, essentially. I, I look dead. And I can hear the dog trying to get in still. Um, I had to do what I would call the, the uh, weirdest thing I've ever had to experience, which is essentially climbing back inside my body and reasserting control, mm -hmm. which was really, really creepy and really hard to do. Um, once that happened, though, um, I, I, could, I still couldn't breathe. I was, trying, I was having an issue breathing. My body started convulsing because I was trying to take control of my body back. I ended up falling off the bed and the dog somehow got through the door and Porter, our, my sister's dog comes running in. I I'd raised this dog since he was a pup and he was like my, my little nephew, right? Mm -hmm. He comes bursting through the door. He comes in, he's trying to see what's wrong because he knew something was wrong. And he's trying to like lick my face, lick my nose. Mm -hmm. He's trying to get my breathing restarted because he knew, he knew something was wrong. And I took that first big gasp of air. I felt like my body was being healed sort of. Um, and I ended up crawling into the shower of taking my clothes off. And, um, I, I wonder if this was all a dream and whatnot. Now, when I first got up to heaven and I met Gabriel, I met him in the, what's called the cauldron of creation. It's this giant volcano where Uriel's creating everything we physically see in this world. When I came out of the shower. I smelled my shirt and it still smell like pumice. It's very hard to describe it to someone because if, you know, if you've never been around a sulfuric volcano, you would not know what that actually smells like unless you smell that sulfuric pumice. So here I am smelling it. And I'm like, okay, how did that happen? Unless this was real. Mm -hmm. That's essentially a really brief summation uh, of what happened in my ND. So um, I just want to show you, I don't know if you can see that, but there's mm -hmm. a picture of mm -hmm. Jesus that we keep in our home. So Jesus is like a central figure for both of us individually and in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, I've, I've seen Jesus around me since I was very, very young. Um, when I was talking about my trauma, um, I don't know if I went into detail, but I had to get, I was left in the hospital for three days my and I, I didn't realize that until two years ago when my mom actually told the story. And I was like, "Wait, what? You left me in the hospital for three days?" And they attempted a spinal tap um, as a baby, as a newborn. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Wait, what?" So uh, that's when all of that happened. And um, so starting with trauma as a newborn and having that throughout my life, I mean, there's just so much healing work that has to be done, and the PTSD that started at a very young age. Um, and so that's when the um, first NDE happened. And um, I had like this explosion of memories actually this morning with that whole thing again this morning. Um, and it's like they had to resuscitate me because I just I didn't want to. And just like with Will saying he didn't want to come back, I didn't want to come back. And mm -hmm. so they but they reminded me of my soul contract 
and the things that I had agreed to come back and do. And the second NDA, like I said, when I was five and I had pneumonia at the time and a really high fever. And I was like in and out of dimensions. And my ET soul family came and basically had to come and um, help heal my body. And they, I remember they, I was on a stainless steel bed in a ship actually. And that was foreign to me because as a light being, I would just think of some where I wanted to be and I'd be there. So it was like this time they called in um, a group and there were healing mantis light beings that they called in to help heal Mm -hmm. my body. Um, And I still, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to be back in this 3D realm. So, but they, again, reminded me, but Jesus has always, I started seeing Jesus even more prominent um, around me all the time in 2018, because I was diagnosed with two brain tumors on my pituitary gland. And I was doing some work with Colm Holland, who is an author for, um, the secret of the alchemist, which Mm -hmm. is a companion volume of the alchemist. And he was like, Jody, I I don't want to tell you this because I'm kind of afraid because I kept seeing Jesus around you all the time. And I was thinking, Oh no, is she going to die? And Mm. then I was, you know, talking to spirit and spirit's like, no, it's just that, um, she's a special soul and Jesus wants to make sure that she is protected and that she continues with her soul contract. And so then he was like, oh, I was reassured after I heard that. <laughs> um, Anyways, he's like, because I've seen Jesus around my wife, but it's not as prominent. He's like, I've never seen him around a person as much as you. And I'm like, that's interesting. Well, thanks for sharing. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, everybody has a spirit group that helps them in their job. So he's part of your spirit posse. Um, yes. <laughs> so I have a couple questions for both of you. Um, the, the first, the first interesting question is, do you know what your job was in heaven in the spirit world? Did you guys come across that at all? Everybody's got a job. They, got yeah. some, they don't just sit there and like twiddle the fingers for <laughs> eternity. Um, Judy and I, we, we've actually discussed this. We both, we both believe that we were both part of the Elam. And okay. part of that part of that job is essentially being creator beings. Uh, the creator sends forth the Elohim when a new world needs to be essentially created and organized and organized and brought forth out of you know the matter needs to be brought forth and you know that that sort of thing. And then also um, certain beings need to, needing to be organized and um, like some leadership positions in that way. I remember actually in a QHHT session, mm-hmm. um, one of the first experiences um, I saw, it was a realm where when I took my hand like this, it was colors that had sound and it was like alive. And I was like, I don't know where I am. And I, I was like, and and so the facilitator was asking me some more questions and mm-hmm. I'm like, it's like alive, it's color. It has music when I like, you know, touch it. Cause she asked me to touch it and I'm like, Oh wait, Oh, it's creation. It's like whatever I want it to be. You know, like I can 
um, channel and manipulate and create with whatever this is. And so then I realized that that was also part of like who I was. So um, in order to orchestrate with this matter that wasn't organized yet, um, how, how I was going to create. (laughs) Right. Right. So, um, that I used for what she's talking about, by the way, the killing one of my sessions with Connie, the term that was used was the term called tapestry. They said mm-hmm. the tapestry creation mm-hmm. and everything's interwoven through this tapestry. Mm-hmm. And as it, as that weave becomes tighter, it becomes more either, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, mm-hmm. tenth density. Um, the tighter it is, the lower in density it is. That makes sense. Yeah. So um, the other thing that I, I do remember is during my NDE, actually, I was standing there and I was talking with Michael and with uh, Yeshua, Jesus. I'm looking directly into the inner sanctum sanctorum of the temple. I can see the divine creator sitting on the throne and coming mm-hmm. out of the way with these beams of light, exactly what you're talking about. These beams of light were passing past me. And I remember I could literally... I focus on one beam of light, I could literally hear all the choir for that particular beam of light coming from the divine creator, giving the divine creator praise. Mm-hmm. I could touch that beam of light and actually hear like music, even like I hear like a certain tone or a certain noise or a certain like sort of choir notes or whatever you want to call it right. directly through each of these beams. So that, that's exactly what you were saying. And I, and I agree with that. And the fact that that, that light is the, the foundation of that creation it's, it's the it's the core of that creation and oftentimes i tell our clients we can attune ourselves because we all have a signature note we can attune ourselves to those frequencies so mm-hmm. that we all can be part of that choir of humanity that's aligned with the divine chorus or, or choir the, the divine instruments mm-hmm. you know um and so as will was saying you know each light had that um that tone to it we can mm-hmm. align ourselves to that and some sometimes people have even described those lights like certain flames of color you know right so each of us can you know align and attune to that right right um so i i wanted to kind of clarify some things so we don't lose some people because you know we're talking about yeshua or jesus and it's the buddhism podcast for people who are unfamiliar with um Buddhism, he's he's in our canon. We just don't talk about it very much because there's many master teachers that teach um, consciousness, energy healing, metaphysics um, from source, like the first Buddha, like Huan Yin, like Bodhidharma, and you know the 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 list goes on and on and on. Many that are human, many that are not human, many from Earth, many not from Earth. I mean, this the list goes on and on. It's just people who've mastered um, who mastered it, but um, in for people who are not aware, coming to us for the first time in Buddhism, quick little rundown. In Buddhism, um, the the wise the story goes: the wise men followed a astro- astrology and astronomy. They followed a, a star that didn't make sense, and so they followed it to um, the Toku child, which they had gotten through meditation was what the one that they need to teach everything that they knew. And and that was Yeshua. So they told his parents, when he is of certain age, bring him to our schools. We'll teach him everything we know. It's just in universities, like teaching mathematics, all that kind of stuff. So that's what they did. 
And um, he's the missing years up until he was in the 30s was basically studying metaphysics, energy, healing, all this kind of stuff that we talk about, uh, pre-life planning, et cetera, in his monastic school. And then, of course, he came back um, and he he also brought um, his brother and I think his cousin as well. So um, Thomas, John, and his girlfriend, Miriam as well. So they're in our records of um, studying these these topics in our schools. And when you're done with one school, you go to another school. When you're done with one teacher, you go to another teacher. You never stop at one. You just keep on growing and evolving. And then, of course, their legacy is um, Gnostic, what you guys would call Gnostic Christianity. But of course, we know what happened with Gnostic Christianity Christianity um, when um, Roman Catholicism came through and took what they wanted and cleared out the rest. But anyway, so that's the background. Um, so like, like I, I'm com- completely familiar with um, Yeshua. So now we're going into this part. So you guys have had your NDEs. You've spoken to the other side. They sent you back. You have a sole contract to basically... Um, rebuild the reality that's out of bounds so earth humanity not just earth or humanity but the universe that's connected to earth and humanity is out of balance from the perspective of source okay so you guys kind of like house flippers <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. You know, because when when you go and you're flipping, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're going, you're, like I, I'm in real estate, so when you go in and you and you flip houses, you're, they're like, you can make this lot and this foundation anything you want, make it beautiful, anything you want. But there's a lot of skills that you need. So if you're trying to flip reality, you know, you got to fix, you got to find the foundation that's broken or needs repair fix the foundation you need some kind of do some energy healing and some healing work there's a lot of consciousness work there's a lot of engineering and metaphysics and engineering to get it done you need some vision and blueprint of how you're going to do it so there's a lot of elements and everybody it's such a big flip that everybody has a little piece of that flip but they all come together so um I think so- it's- funny that you say that too, because we often talk about how we're disruptors in a way, because in employment places too, like for the longest time, both of us, even before we met, we'd go into these employers, we'd see what was going on here. And we're like, okay, this is how we need to make it better. Or this is how we need to change some things. We're like change agents in a way as well. And at first people just, they hate change, right? And they'd be like, oh my gosh, what do these people think they're doing, right? But then we'd come in and we'd be like, what about if we did this or what about this idea? And they'd be like, oh, okay, that's much more efficient. Okay, we see what you're talking about. Um, But for those who were resistant or slow adopters, they would just be like, these people need to be ousted. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. not want them here. And and Will just went through something like that like really recently. So yeah, we, to your point, absolutely. Yeah, so I totally understand, but um, but yeah, if you're t- if you're talking about trying to basically like flip a flip a reality, the Earth human reality, and how it interfaces with the rest of the neighborhood, that one house that's out of order, <laughs> causing chaos in the whole neighborhood, the whole galaxy, 
um, then then yeah, that you you'll need a whole. You, there's so many different elements to come in and fix it. So let's talk about the um, the elements that are causing this out of balance. Um, so I've looked at a lot of the different elements of the quote quote um, enemies or the people who are um, are in the fight with SSP, and I've kind of like. It just seems like everybody's being played at different levels. <laughs> everybody's being played. But I stopped at the black goo. Okay. And um, in terms of the black goo, from my understanding, is that it's self-assembling Wi-Fi nanotech parasite that sends updates to its home universe on its conquering of worlds via a percentage of the host in, in effect. Is that a pretty good summary of what the black goo consciousness? No? Okay. Could you just, could you clarify that? So um, the first time that I had <laughs> any sort of recollection or recall the black goo, um, well, first off, we have entries of this in reality here. Um, the way the way that black goo enters a solar system, first off, it looks for developing solar systems that have technology. And the way it enters that solar system is what what, what it fires it calls a square, a cube at that solar system and then tries to take it over. Now, the reference we have in our religions, the Greek religion talks about this. Uh, the Egyptians have talked about it. The Babylonians have talked about it. Even uh, Christians, uh, the, the Judaic faith, the Islamic faith, and even Hinduism to a certain degree has talked about when it talks about the squares of Saturn. That is literally talking about these squares that are launched into our solar system. And this, the system that's being launched from is about 13.5 billion light years from here. Mm -hmm. okay? Really long distance away. And these squares, when they, when they come in on a certain trajectory, the people in the programs have, um, have tried to intercept these squares and destroy them. That's one of the side tasks that they have. And even to a certain degree, the, the IC3 task that you hear Corey Good talk about, where he talks about the intercept, interrogate, and contain group, um, that whole thing really uh, was not only because of ships coming in, but also these squares trying to enter in through the solar system. Mm -hmm. and. To, to get directly at the core of what you're asking me, what is black goo? Essentially, um, a very negative ET species that we have yet to figure out what their actual species was, developed this technology to essentially destroy their enemy. And what, okay. this, what this technology really is, it's, it's a femtotech type technology that has the ability to self-replicate, self-assemble, and spread. Its whole, its whole goal in life is to essentially consume, and that is it. Okay, so I'm going to share some screen shares, and I'm going to ask you to, you know, like, is this the black goo? So, we, we, so, um, so here is a video mm -hmm. of what somebody found, and they posted it on Twitter. Yeah, there's lots of videos like that. Yeah, let me just yeah. watch it really quick. So, hmm. 
Okay, so that so um, I'm going to show a couple of these different ones, and you you tell me what is this that everybody's seeing on beaches and other places. So this for the for the audio audience, because it's not just a video um, podcast. For the audio, all the links are in the show description if you want to watch these videos in its entirety. But people are finding these black, uh, almost fibrous blobs on the beaches, and they're moving around. Um, and so they don't know what this is. Here's another one. This one is um, from Rice University. Okay. And I'm just going to, and they call it Tesla phoresis. It's basically like graphene oxide um, type. So I'll just put it in here. It can be perpetuated in lots now. <clears throat> and basically, once they, it, it just looks like black coal, but once they turn on the Wi-Fi, it starts self-assembling and making these fibers. They're almost like a, a web netting. And they're talking about using this in, let's show some more videos of this. We're talking about using this in food, using this in medicine, using this in anything. Um, and they're excited because it's, it's self-assembling. They, all they need to do is just put the components into whatever they're interested in. The turn issue, on the signal and it self-assembles the tech. The issue with graphene oxide, at least in the U.S., is that graphene oxide has actually been banned by the FDA. It is a known carcinogen, and it has been banned by the FDA because of that. What's happened is, is that in China specifically, they're looking for new ways to deliver vaccines, and the... Um, the actual graphene oxide uh, direction is the direction they decided to go with because it's cheaper. Uh, it's absolutely not safer. So, um, and as I was saying, I mean, that, that's the reason why this whole discussion really kind of came to the forefront of it was the fact that you have these companies in China that don't have the same sort of lab controls that we do here in the U.S. They don't have the same... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The same sort of like filtering that we do here, meaning we, we, we require that any particulate that's directly not related to the uh, injectable to be below a certain number, a billion parts per, a uh, certain number of uh, parts per billion, right? It has to be below that amount. Right. As far as in China, they don't have those regulations in place. So my opinion on that, as far as graphene oxide or uh, or types of materials like that, because they're right. in the universities, the universities in the United States and around the world, it's not just Rice University. They're all looking at nanotech, the self-assembling nanotech. They're all looking yeah. at this. Yeah. So as far as like what Will was saying, though, even though the FDA, it's like banned, it's not approved, you know, um, it's coming through a loophole. And it's coming through, in my opinion, another way or form through another name. Okay, so that's how they're getting it in, in my opinion. I also think that um, they're, like you pointed out, um, this black goo is being used in AI and medicines, um, you know, things uh, that we, we use, all of that. Um, I also think the root um, going way, 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 way back, okay, even before it came to earth, the root of all of this was um, not necessarily bad or negative. Okay. It flipped like you were talking about flipping, you know, like what we do. Right. Mm -hmm. um, 
but an adversarial energy who was trying to take over divine creator and anything divine flipped the energy to negative because there's goo out there that's not negative. Okay. It's not even black. That's correct. So um, it flipped the energy, okay, adversarial to try to then encode it with programming. So it then started taking things over. Okay. Um, and to be sentient as well. And um, then um, everything became out of balance. And um, so then now you see it's starting to be uh, found in different places. And now you're seeing the universities and other places now trying to utilize it. And now it can be perpetuated and made in labs. And that's where mm -hmm. you're seeing all of this. Now humans are saying, oh, well, now we can actually make this stuff. Well, let's also be clear. And utilize it. Let's also be clear on a couple of other things, too. And I, yeah. I agree with what you're saying. Um, so, for example, there is a location in Paraguay where they actually had a meteor strike happen. They've been mining this very strange material that to anybody else would look like black goo, right? Mm -hmm. um, secondly, and, more, and that material has been exported to Germany and it's been worked with, with, the, with uh, German scientists, still is currently, I believe. Um, secondly, and also I'd say as, as, um, as important to that point, uh, I have friends who were, uh, when I was working in Pennsylvania, that they actually, I was telling, we were discussing this last night, actually. We were at, they were actually at the Gettysburg National Monument, mm -hmm. and a, a meteorite had struck there. Mm -hmm. And as they were out walking, they, they heard the strike happen, and a park ranger had pulled up to see what had happened. And as they're all standing there, they saw this wave of stuff come out of the, out of the crater it kind of went across the road. It looked like this black goo. And they all freaked out. And uh, literally, as the park ranger's talking on the radio about what he's seeing, they had these vehicles roll up from uh, Fort Meade, Maryland. They came in, military vehicles, mm -hmm. come in and start dealing with whatever this stuff is. Mm -hmm. Right. Some sort of rapid response team. Mm -hmm. so, right. Um, and yeah. then you have like... Um, kind of like a derivative in a way of like Cinnamon stones and, and stuff like that. Like yeah. where people are actually do it's crazy. You have people actually doing grid work with these things and it, it's not helping matters. And you also yeah. have, you also so have, it, it's almost like a bunch of kids are playing with guns and they're not trained. Exactly. Yeah. It's not the gun that necessarily, this is argumentative here, but some people blame it on the gun, but the gun can be either be a tool Yes. To protect or a tool to harm. It depends yes. on the user yes. and the wisdom of the user. So yes. exactly like in the screen here, um, and you can find plenty of these. These this is by the European Foundation for Clinical Clinical Nanomedicine. The link is in the description and you can watch a whole 20 minute presentation of how all these organizations um listed and many more that are, are small donors are using nanomedicine, geo, and others like geo that self-assemble in its subject through um, the signals, just like Rice University has shown, that the, medic the medicine is already here. And the idea is by putting it in the, the, the patient, they can get all of the diagnostics tools through the patient real time and then be able to communicate and try to help the patient 
basically biologically from in and inward outward. So, um, but the thing is, is that I've watched many of these and it's like a bunch of kids so excited to find a, a new toy that they'd never even thought about the ramifications of it. If it's safe for them to be shooting around with BB guns and whatever they find in some abandoned, you know, area. Um, but this, this is, this is what's, what's going on. Let me show you another one. I'm not saying it is, it is, or is it the same thing? It seems to be. So black rock, they said, this is what I found interesting. Mm-hmm. BlackRock came in about um, the late 80s, mm-hmm. the early 90s, um, as a brand new organization. It's a hedge fund, and they just uh, managed property. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. they came in through the real estate angle. Mm-hmm. Um, they, between BlackRock and Vanguard, which is the other top um, hedge fund uh, banks, they kind of have a two-way monopoly between each other because they kind of own each other's shares of things. But anyways, the point why I bring BlackRock in is they own a majority of most of the companies in the world through the conglomerate or pyramid structure of ownership. And they're relatively new. So it shows very quickly that a new entity can come in and form and quickly grab kind of like a land grab of all the resources if they know where to go into it. But some people speculate what um, what's the deal with BlackRock? Because um, this concept of BlackRock or Black Cubes keep coming up. So here is a picture of the Blackstone of Mecca. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, in Mecca, the uh, parishioners walk around their holy stone. And there's a picture here. The links is in the show description. And it's a little spot of what the holy rock is that they um, pay homage to. Here is here is one of their religious leaders who's wearing a black rock mm-hmm. on his head. It's supposed to help him communicate with higher beings. Okay. Um, and then there's a lot of these black rock, rock cube type of images you see in um, kind of all over the place, all over the world it's, as part of a landscape architecture. Yeah, we researched this um, probably about a year ago, and I was showing Will, I'm like, can you believe this? And we were both freaking out. <laughs> so, okay. So the now, Black Rock of Mecca specifically, I've talked about also with different people. And that stone specifically is a tektite. It was launched from this um, this entity, this, um, that's what I'm looking for, from, from the goo. Oh, uh, so is this black stone is part of the goo? Because here's the, in India.com, because I don't just read US-based news. Um, but this one is a close-up of the holy rock um in the uh, in Mecca. And that's what it looks like. That's the black, that's a, that's the little piece of the black rock that is holy mm-hmm. um that they um they walk around in the grand mosque of Mecca. Um yeah, so you can see here's the pictures, you can see. That's the center part that is the holy spot. And the holy spot where all that attention revolves around, it's this little part that looks like two dry blobs of blackness. Okay. Um, here's another interesting thing. Um, people call it graphene oxide nanoparticles circling a tower. Let me just show you the, the video. So this was also um, in Asia. 
And it just, it just, a ring of black dust particles just moving around the tower. Um, and so people are noticing that all over the world. If you go outside of US-based media and outlets, you'll find these mm-hmm. um, in other sources. And then I put this link in the show notes, but Lex Freeman podcast, he interviewed um, Ryan Graves, uh, military personnel about the black cube UFO that um, Air Force pilots almost ran into. And Ryan Graves was speaking about how um, they need to disclose whatever they're doing because it's going to get um, some some accidents happening if you don't tell us what is this black cube UFO it, that is covered in a sphere that is um, almost going to get hit by our military planes. So you can watch that um, that podcast all about the black cube ufo so this concept keeps coming back up and i wanted to to show you all that to get your opinion of what is this that we're seeing all over the world what is it well the black like i said the black cube um imagery all goes back to the black goo so it's all the same thing yes and it it all goes back to this subversive energy essentially if you look at it in gnostic terms what you have is you have the, the the creator energy, the life energy, right? And then you have what's called the he's the the creator's considered the urge energy, right? And then you have what's called the demiurge, which is this idea of the counter energy to the creative force. And in Christian terms, Judaic terms, and Muslim terms, essentially you have God Allah Yehovah as the urge energy. And you have uh, uh, El-Satan or Satan or Lucifer adversarial as, forces. as the adversarial or demiurge force. Okay. So like in biblical terms, you'd be like, you know, um, you know, basically don't give in to the natural man, you know. Carnal, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but also, too, that demiurge force, essentially, when we were talking earlier about this idea that an energy came in and essentially corrupted another version of goo. Um, that is exactly what I believe happened with the black goo. So it's counterfeit. It's essentially a, a a type of goo that was created to do one specific task and one specific task, which is consume everything. Mm-hmm. Now, when people make the comment, well, um, you know, I can, you know, connect with it. I can, can it, you know, can it heal? Can it ascend? This gets into, in my opinion, technology in and of itself does not have a soul. In my opinion, the technology can regenerate. It can actually spawn more of itself, but it doesn't really heal. I also think it's doing more than consume. It's corrupting. Yeah. So there's more of an agenda with that. Yeah. And think about this too, right? So another, I would agree with that statement, by the way. And some, something I'll tap in with what Jody was kind of leading into is this idea that black goo at its core um, one of the things that it does do is it actually lowers the vibrational energy of the yes. host that it gets into yep. in, in whatever quantity, right? right? So when you have individuals, let's say that you're in the programs and let's say that you're working with a species that uses black goo, for example, the Draco, or maybe, you know, Nockwaffen, for example, the Dark Fleet. Um, some of these groups who do use that uh, black goo material a lot 
they use it in very small controlled amounts. They don't allow it to fully replicate in the body. And they do that by inhibiting the way the black goo interfaces with the, the actual clone body that it's in or the ET body that it's in. Mm-hmm. So, and again, that brings up a whole other set of stuff that can be discussed. But the point is, is that um, these ET species, they know about black goo. They know what it can and can't do. Um, it's kind of like your cell phone, right? You're talking about mm-hmm. tools and guns, right? Mm-hmm. A cell phone is, is essentially a tool. Right. Yeah. yeah. It could be good or bad, depending on how you use it, just like social media. Right. Mm-hmm. My in-laws who are in their 80s think it's the worst thing that's ever happened to humanity. And that's one way to see it. But right. it's also brought a lot of information and communication to people mm-hmm. all over the world that they never would have known. Right. So, goose right. exactly the same way. It's, it's essentially okay. uh, it's a tool that was developed to um, it's kind of like. We talked about the Elohim and essentially creating the firmament, creating matter out of nothing. Essentially, the, 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 the original goo, what was called the rainbow goo, that goo essentially is a lower vibrational uh, extrapolation of what the Elohim do. Mm-hmm. It, can be, it can be used to do many, many, many jobs. There's tasks. even a blue goo that can heal. Yes. You know, if you're, if you're um, in a goo... Um, it can it can help heal something that um, is even torn or ripped or you know um, yeah it can just we've, repair. We've talked about this also in our our uh, testimonies as well. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned this, I guess when I was chatting with uh, James Rink, I mentioned it when you and I have chatted. I mentioned it when I was chatting with uh, Ted on QRPC. The idea is they put you in this tank that has the blue goo in it. It's like a it's a really bright colored blue when they immerse you in it uh, essentially what's happening is is that uh, i had actually recalls of watching my leg which had been severed watching this goo essentially rebuilding my leg from the mm-hmm. inside out every layer every muscle every nerve every you know muscular fiber was being essentially rebuilt all the, you know, the cartilage the, the veins the arteries everything mm-hmm. so i mean there are there are good uh, aspects to it it's just that this particular color, the black goo in our uh, universe, essentially, as you said earlier, it's a corrupted version of that goo. Okay. Probably even further. Uh-huh. I had, uh, I did a shamanic journey, what, two years ago or whatever. And so we're talking about if you have beings, though, who have too much of the black goo within them. So like, for instance, I, I had- The high dosage amount. Because right, all right. the scientific research and the medical studies, when they try to- in- nanotech type of um, technology, uh, depending on the dosage, if it's a high dosage, it's lethal. If it's a low dosage, it's almost like it, it can kind of work with it, but eventually it becomes lethal or the subject detoxes it out of their system. Right. So that's what all the medical research is finding. Yeah. So here's two things. So speaking of the Draco, though, for instance, okay. So I had um, done a shamanic journey. And so eons ago, when there was a war, okay, on this planet, um, when there was some blood, some blood drops from them, that actually um, had, when it dropped on the earth, that had actually, that was the root of the the virus, like COVID virus. Mm -hmm. So, Fast forward, 
And there was um, some scientists who had, or there was the channeling that happened and um, somebody had located where that, that, that was, like the location that had happened. And then once they found that, they then went into some labs and then had perpetuated that. And then mm-hmm. full-blown stuff happened with disseminating that to different parts of the world. And then we we have the virus everywhere. So, um, but to your point, number two, anything that happens where there could be too much black goo, whether it's from the vaccine, whether it's from whatever, mm-hmm. um, I think if you're in total detox, number one, but also if you are- Oh yeah, everybody should be detoxing regardless. Yeah, yeah. But just, also, to, just because the food in the air is not 100% organic, just in case. Yes, yes yeah. absolutely. But also if you're in alignment and you're doing the work, you can circumvent all of that. Mm-hmm. Circumvent all of that. So that's my two cents on that. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's, let's fast forward this, this black goo. So obviously there's a lot of different variations of it. And I'm sure humanity is going to find even more ways to splice it into multiple different ways of usage. Um, it's, we kind of humanity has a tendency not to learn until basically they screw everything up and then they learn. <laughs> <laughs> but it has a lot of potential. That's why I keep working with it. Um, but at, until we get to that potential, it's kind of like like parents going, "Oh God." <laughs> um, Anyways, so what is the end goal to make humanity and all sentient beings of the cosmos like the Borg? Is that the goal? Is this? The, I think the that's Google? one. Agenda. That's one. Some that's one agenda in one faction. But what is the intent? Because every sentient being has some kind of intent. Because obviously, it's being used as a tool, and whoever is using it doesn't really know or is not fully. Maybe they're egotistic or narcissistic, and they don't understand that it will become you it will take over you so you think it's a tool for you for right now for conquering but eventually you will also succumb to it so like what is the the intent like so here's here's essentially what i see as the intent behind the negative agenda the the the, why the reason why the tool is why that black goo is essentially incepted into our universe okay okay Essentially, it creates a, a more forceful way to determine, do you put yourself in higher alignment or do you put yourself in lower alignment? And what Jody was kind of getting at, and I completely agree with, was that as, you, as, you, as a species is doing the work, meaning as that species ascends, there's a certain point at which um, normal natural viruses, bacteria, even the black goo cannot affect the light body. Mm-hmm. Your, your vibrational uh, frequency is so high and your density is so high that you can literally force whatever that material is out of your light body. Mm-hmm. It doesn't resonate with who you are. It's not a part collectively of who you are. So that's the choice that we as a human species have got to make. We, we're, we're essentially right now in this position where we're essentially bifurcated, meaning there's two groups of us as humans on this planet. Mm-hmm. One group is trying to do the work. They're trying to raise vibrational energy. They're trying to heal the earth. They're trying to heal as many people as they can. I would assume that the three of us are probably in that camp. Then you have the other group. That's the group that you see that's currently in the media that's doing all this stuff that's trying to 
tamp down humanity and trying stir to stir the pot even more. Yeah, create all this stuff that we see in our society that's not even conducive to humans being happy. So uh, all of that stuff essentially acts a magnet. And I'll, I'll use this word, the discord, the energetic discord is a magnet for the black goo. Because what it wants to do is it all it feeds off of energy, first of mm-hmm. all. But it also feeds off of matter. Right. So, so if it can replicate itself and stop the discord, that's what it's going to do. So it, it seeks out it seeks out species that are developed enough that it can use their technology to spread over them, essentially. Okay, well then the other question I have about this black goo, because it because all of the other uh sentient beings, whether they're whatever their genders are, they're still sentient beings. And at some point in their evolution, they're going to come to the truth that we're all connected and that we're all basically having our sojourns within existence, within some star, within the consciousness of source itself. So, uh, you know, the jig is up. But the thing is, is that if it exists within creation, then it exists, okay? That's just the, the truth. If it exists within creation, then source has allowed it to exist for whatever its intended purpose. We don't know. Uh, we're not source, but it exists. Whether it exists as a tool to help us work together as an app to work against something and overcome a, a struggle or, um, you know, because source has used many different things as tools to get us to kind of like wake up and get with the program. Mm-hmm. But, you know, gentle nudging. So um, I don't know if it's, if that's the angle, what the angle is. But are there any realities where the Black goo is compassionate and respectful of different incarnations and its spiritual process? I mean, is there any reality? No. It can never be sentient at any point in any reality? Well, okay. So here's what I will say. Um, I think there could be with the help of divine creator and um, ascended beings and, you know, positive energy, it could possibly flip back to its original state instead of counterfeit black goo. It could somehow flip back to its original good state where it actually originated, you know, um, at some point, um, maybe in a different dimension where it originated. But I also, to your point earlier, though, um, Vaughn, is that whatever the intent for this black goo, I think also the purpose could be something different for every person in this Mm -hmm. room, you know, whether it be a lesson, whether it be an opposition in all things to give us a challenge to, you know, rise and be better, whatever, you know, or even as a collective, it could be a different um, intention. So I think it, I think there's many reasons. I, I I see this as essentially it's another um, prong on the uh, triple spaded fork of the adversary. I guess mm-hmm. it's another tool that he's using to. I'm using he collectively here uh, to essentially force every species in this universe essentially to determine who they serve. And the thing is, there are some species like the Draco who opted in for allowing themselves to be corrupted by this black goo on limited on limited scale because of the gains they get from it. We mm-hmm. as humans, and short term. 
And we as humans essentially have decided, some of the programs have decided to use this as well. Like, for example, those who stayed in Nakwafen, those of us who defected opted against it. And we all went into alliance. So this is where I, I see this sort of like a battle line being drawn, right? Mm-hmm. You've got one side where the black goo essentially is uh, being used, it's being utilized. It has really no positive gains in terms of what it provides those species and individuals. Mm-hmm. The other side, it has catalyst. It's been acted as a catalyst for people to say, I'm not going to allow this to affect humanity in any, in any larger capacity than what it already has. We have, right. to, we have to give the humans on this planet the choice of making a decision on do they come up with us in vibration or do they fall away and get taken somewhere else? Mm-hmm. And I think whether it's the black goo or anything, I think we're at a time where there's so many things that in biblical terms, it's like a sifting mechanism. Yes. It's like, you know, the wheat and the tares type of thing. Yes. You know, what? where are you going to draw the line? Where's your energy going to be? How are you going to get into alignment? What are you standing for? Yeah. Right, right. Um, you know, the from a Kabbalah Chakras um, listeners, they have gone through and listened to, I think you guys are episode 101, <laughs> a lot of different energy healing modalities and it, engineering technologies, et cetera, um, from a lot of different people. And the common theme in all of this energy healing technology and modalities is that... Um, you can repair DNA genetics and also upgrade it. That's the constant theme. And it's basically through connected to the infinite Christ consciousness and healing frequencies of source itself. Because uh, source can heal its own body and we're all existing within its consciousness. So it can heal itself if it if that being wants to. Um, but the thing is, is that, um, you know, I covered a variety of wave genetics repair and upgrade methods and, there is research on, it's called C60, which is, it's funny because it's called the Buckminster Fullerene Atom in Vitamins. It's called C60. They have it in olive oil. It's a specific type of atom. It looks like uh, a Merkaba. It really does look like a Merkaba. That's why they call it the Buckyball. They named it after Buckminster Fuller because it is the Merkaba. It's a natural atom found in vitamins. And they have used it um with people who have been poisoned or had adverse reactions to gold, you know, graphene oxide, and it has detoxed that person's body of gold and repair the damage it's done to that person. It depends on the dosage amount they have. It has de- it has detoxed and repaired the DNA and repaired the body to start quickly healing. So and it's called C60 Buckminster Fullerene. Um, you know, Nicholas Tesla talked about scalar energy fields to heal and repair DNA and mm-hmm. not just heal and repair, change the DNA to build back to its original source, to its original wholeness. Mm-hmm. Um, and Royal Raymond Rife and his frequencies did the same thing. So there's so many of the, these different energy healing modalities um, that people can use. And so my question is, and they've done this in quantum healing, hypnosis, energy healing, because all energy healing taps into the higher brain waves of gamma brain waves, which is like the meditation frequency. That's the first that we can measure scientifically. And basically what they found is 
when people start healing their body, their brain goes into these high gamma brain waves. The basic is the Christ conscious healing frequencies of source. So, whether you're meditation, you do do energy healing modalities. Whether you're doing do a, a technology that does energy healing, um, it all goes to the same brain waves. So we're all tapping into to source to heal. My question with that premise is, can this black goo be repaired to its original healthy state where it's not destructive? through energy healing, through different types of Christ consciousness technologies, because everything else has been proven to do so. I think, okay, so for instance, just like our clients, when they're ready, they come to us, right? I think there's something sentient at this point with the black goo. It's it's evolved to a point. Mm -hmm. I think there has to be something connected between the, the sentient black goo at this point and its um, controller handler right now for it to want that. If it doesn't, it's not going to flip back into its original state. Right. Okay. So now you're, you're giving it a consciousness that not, it has free will to choose not, to either go with uh, the program or not. The handler has okay. to. So for the instance, handler. Okay. Yeah. So for instance, like, say an adversarial force, let's just say, let's just take, okay, the term Satan. Okay. Let's just take okay. it there. Okay. If, if Satan, who is the destroyer of all things in biblical terms, okay. And wants to even destroy Christ consciousness and God. If, if that being does not want to ever be in the Christ consciousness, it will never happen. You know, right. I would right. actually take the black goo. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, break this down into a couple steps one the black goo itself operates essentially on a rule set the same way a computer does okay so i would not call that consciousness i mean your your phone does that Mm -hmm. is your phone conscious yeah there's something controlling the black goo yeah well there's something controlling cell phones too. right exactly no no i I agree with your point absolutely but it's a computer yes Uh, so it, it doesn't have any kind of ai consciousness no. Okay. Because if it has consciousness, you know as well as I know through meditation, quantum hypnosis, et cetera, that you could talk to anything that has consciousness sure. and help it walk into free will of, of the so, light and, and whatever. Right. If it doesn't have any consciousness, it's just a tool. But one yeah, but exactly. one but one has to also understand something about consciousness here, right? So if you're saying that something that is mechanical or in this case chemical is now conscious, it has to meet the Turing rule. And I have not seen anything that says that black goo meets that qualification, meaning it recognizes itself as I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's never happened. It's like it has orders because it's been encoded by its handler. Yes. By its creator. By its creator. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The second second thing I would say with black goo is that um, it does exhibit a lot of the um, exhibits behavior in the same way that Siri does. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So I'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ask Siri a question. Siri will come back and give you information from your phone, right? Yeah. So the same way Cortana does, the same way mm-hmm. that Alexa does. It's like a search engine. It's just answering questions based on off the database. Yeah. The the black goo operates under the same premise. It has a rule set. It's programmed to behave that way. Mm-hmm. One should not mix up a programmed behavior with, with actual intelligence or consciousness. Right. They're not the same things. 
Right, right. Okay. Well, I guess we're going to have to watch it how it evolves. If it ever becomes conscious, you know how many quantum healers are going to tap into that consciousness <laughs> and talk to it. it, it so and, and we're just waiting for it to become, if become conscious. Happens, be very careful. Be very careful. Yeah, because you don't want anything to subsume that is is that dark. Yeah. You just have to be you have to be very aligned and be doing the practice daily. And and also too, I mean, we've we to answer to answer a question I think you sort of alluded to earlier that I'll tap into really quickly. Jody and I, when we've worked with our clients, we've actually had clients who came to us. We had a gentleman come to us, one of our very first QHHT clients. Um, he's a friend of mine. I'd done uh, videos with him on my testimony in the past. We sat down. We did a session with him. Um, this guy had had issues with alcohol. It had basically wrecked his life. Mm. Um, it actually caused the reason why he had lost his leg, I believe, probably also too. And even though at the time he wasn't drinking, it, it did cause the anxiety that caused him to be in the position where he was at the time. And as we're doing our QHHT session with him, um, he literally figured out the reason why he had the anxiety because it was a past life connection with an individual. Mm -hmm. And the minute that connection, that recognition was there, and the minute he cleared that, uh, he, he basically has been alcohol free since January. Good. So it's one of these things where we have seen people physically transformed through QHHT through uh, literally uh, doing the work when mm -hmm. the, under hypnosis and we're working with the subconscious, the, S, the SC, and we're asking the SC, hey, can we, can we look at these certain things with the body? Can we address these certain things? Because it's not healthy, right? Well, of course it's not. Okay, can we fix that? Sure. You know, as we have this conversation with the SC, there is an awareness there that, there, like you said earlier, there is a connectedness. And I do believe that source does want us to be health, happy, healthy, and healed. On the, on the other side of this, we've been talking about the black goo, which essentially is the antithesis to all of that. And this is the reason why when I, I made my earlier comment about choosing which side of this you're going to be on, that's essentially the, the, the conscious choice we as a species have to make. You know, we've got folks like the three of us that do practice QHHT that are doing this to try to help humanity and try to raise humanity's awareness and get it healed. But then you also have individuals who, in my opinion, they want to be in the black goo. Well, they're, uh, they're okay with yeah. that. There's something that's coming to me as, as you're talking, Will, and as you're talking, Vaughn, people who have almost like this passion or this pull to have the black goo flipped into something good I think there's something to that. And I think it could be this. I'm not saying it is, but I think it could be this. Perhaps they have had some type of experience where either they have been with a handler or with a um, being that has been um, very evil and they have to get that, um, the root of that. Entanglement. Yeah, the entanglement, like decoupled. Or they have experienced something where there's black goo within them and they don't know about it. Like they, they maybe they, um, there's an exposure. There was an exposure, not saying they took the vaccine, but there was some type of exposure somehow. Um, maybe it was in a medication, something, an antibiotic, who knows, right? 
Mm -hmm. And they're going to need to either detox or have a QHHT session to figure out what, what was that, right? Or maybe it is um, detoxing from something in their life that they have a, um, a, what's the word I'm looking for? A blind spot, a blind spot, right? With, and once they figure that out, they're like, oh, okay, I can let that go now because that's out of me. You know, just like Will's expressing with this gentleman, as soon as he figured out the root of that, it was like, oh, okay. I can It's just like this idea of resonance, right? So when we talked earlier about this idea of light body and beings that were in their light bodies in heaven, right? In that particular instance, there are certain things that are just flat out not in resonance with those light bodies. Mm And this, this, in my opinion, this black goo is part of that. It's not in resonance with creation. Mm-hmm. It's not in resonance with what the creator himself created or the creator it created. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When people are so obsessed with like making, making insinuations that the Dracos um, or a Draco is one of their guides um, and they want them to then be, be good or something. Sure, they may have had experiences with them, and maybe that's why they feel so passionate about that. We actually had a client who said um, there was a Draco who actually went renegade from the group, and and because they didn't agree with what was going on with like the whole, and so sure, stuff like that happens all the time, you know. And we're not saying like one, you know, because there's like a faction or a group that's not doing good things that all of them are like just horrible. There are some who have like left the group and have found like their way to the light, so to speak, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, that could be just, they want to maybe um, remember or they haven't remembered yet for that matter um, their experience. And so that's why there's this pool of like, okay, I need to figure out about what's going on with the Draco, you know, I need to figure out how they can be good. I think it's more them, you know, that thing. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I, the, the, the thing is, is that, um, and for people who don't know what an SD is, is the superconscious source, God, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's all the same thing. But uh, the thing is, is that when we talk about the SSP program, the secret space program that you guys uncovered through your quantum hypnosis and counseling work, uh, um, and the, the content that you guys talk about it could sound science fiction made up but then when you look at the evidence out there it's out there and it's happening so just like we could be talking about black goo as a you know something that we came up with but then i just showed you all this stuff and it's like well it's it's here so yeah. there's got to be some credence to what you're saying and all of the links are in the show description so um let's talk about the the, the kids in this program so explain how Spiritually gifted kids are targeted for this program. What? What? Why do they care? Also, um, to your point though about the credence and and the proof out there, there's patents out there, uh, just dozens and dozens and dozens of patents as far as like MK Ultra and the experiments that were done, and also to children. Craft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the TR three, the pyramid back black triangles flat pier- TR three is a government um spacecraft that yes yeah yeah but uh a lot of people also report the the actual 3d pyramid ufo ones with the sides and not just the flat ones that you see on the u.s military using 
a lot of them report that one and I've seen that one covered by clouds <laughs> so all around. Oh, yes, me yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. But we'll talk about that on um, on the next episode. We, we go a little bit more free, free flowing into the quantum hypnosis and what we get from our clients. But yeah, wh- why are spiritually gifted kids so interesting? Why did they get targeted? So there's a couple of reasons why this happens, right? So you've got kids who come into this life, into this physical existence. First off, they've got um, the the DNA material from their parents, right? That that's a that's that's very specific to certain programs potentially. Certain bloodlines. Certain bloodlines, certain abilities that are genetically imbued. Then you have the um, what that soul comes in with. You got that whole soul lineage behind that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you mentioned Arcturans earlier. You know, Jody and I are both Arcturans. Then that was after we were Elohim. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that. your first physical incarnation from spirit into physical life with the Arcturian from the Arcturian star system. So yeah. it went like Elohim, Arcturian. We had um, a lot of. For me, I had a lot of experience with like Lyra and Lumeria. You know, a lot of a lot of different experiences. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But the but the bottom line is, is as these souls have had all of these experiences come into physical form here. Um. These when the soul steps into a, a body here, um, a lot of times they're screened. There is technology where they can screen mm. souls that come into uh, an agreements here. The government has what they call the Orion's Cube. It can actually be used to actually um, look at a soul's lineage or a group's lineage to find out what their development path is as a species, mm-hmm. as an individual. Uh, although we have a lot of um, agreements right now, especially with the Galactic Federation of Worlds, to not use that technology in a way to, you know, alter or manipulate humankind. Um, they do use it in a, as a screening tool. So essentially, what happens is is that once they realize there's certain individuals here that have taken on a physical form, maybe the other members of their family are also from that same lineage. That's when you start seeing kids get heavily screened and targeted. And how do they screen and target them? Do they go in the schools and make them do some kind of like tests? There are different ways. One of them. Most, like in my case and probably in Jody's case as well. I mean, we were targeted very, very early on in like uh, kindergarten up through eighth grade. But I mean, for me as a newborn, the the spinal tap stuff. They also took DNA. Okay. Yeah. And doctors doctors are involved in this. You've got government officials who are involved in this. So what, what makes it dip, what makes it what makes it SSP type of doctor's visit or SSP type of school testing that's different than like a normal like let's say special know, ed. Oftentimes it's a psychologist that will come in. I also think too that these individuals get tasked. So for example, in my case I believe that the uh, psychologist that was there, he was tasked to look at certain individuals to find out whether or not they had the capability of doing well in the programs beyond what his actual job was. So when he came in, I mean, his job was to function at essentially he was a he went to multiple schools during the week that mm-hmm. were in the school district. But his actual job essentially was to uh, function as a um handler basically he came in he would test certain kids and find out okay does this kid have any sort of psychic aptitude which is i talk with the zener card test 
he, he actually ran these tests multiple times on me and other, other students that were there. Um, a lot of students failed. Me, I ranked very high. Well, you should have failed. You would, you would, maybe if you failed, you wouldn't have gotten picked up. But that, but, that's, but that was an immediate flag when I passed as high as I did. That was an immediate flag where they said, okay, this person has an extremely high aptitude. We need to do some further research. I think mm-hmm. they, this is just confirmation. They're just like checking the box. Like, yeah, this, this is the one. Yeah. Yes, yes, he's good at this. They have it pre-selected already. They have you pre-selected and, even before birth. And the other thing too is that they do have individuals who can come into, for example, schools and hospitals, and they can feel people out. They know on an energy level what these beings are capable of doing. Um, I've seen individuals, especially guys that work with ACIO, uh, Division Six, Division Nine. Some of these individuals will come in, and they their job is to essentially feel out what is going on with this situation, right? They're psychically gifted too, but they have technology and other abilities that allow them to kind of directly tap into that individual to find out who they really are. Um, and then when the technology comes into play, they can screen that individual extremely quickly. For example, you talked about being a newborn, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do they look for in the newborn? Like when you're born, uh, they're looking for... Like so, nurse, tell me all the ones that lift their heads on on their own and open their eyes. Well, there's and, stuff that even happened, like when when my mom was pregnant. There's like uh. um, some testing that went on, like with amniotic fluid, and you know mm. different tests that happen. Um, but I think also with um, confirmation in the schools and stuff. Like for instance, oftentimes you're pre-selected even prior to being born. Yeah. But but once you get into the 3D, then they're confirming like okay. Once they got out of the birth canal, okay, you know, were there any defects? Are they still okay? Do they think okay? You know, um, can they add one plus one? Can they? Are they still psychically gifted? Of course they are. You know? Understand mm. that with a device that operates the same way Orion's cube does, essentially, they as long as they can place that device near you, they can crack open your entire soul to look at your future lifetime, the probable lifetime. Because the thing is, what people understand is, is that time is not linear mm-hmm. and is circular. It, mm-hmm. All of it is happening now. And this Orion's Cube device taps into that exact um, quantum state. It essentially says the highest probability outcome for this individual is bloop. And here it is. And they can look at that and go, yep, we see him potentially in the programs. We see him potentially having all these abilities. We see him doing all these things. You know, Jody's, and he's and he in, is he on track? In Jody's case, they probably looked at her and said, "Yep, she has all these abilities. She has this DNA background. She has this family background. All of this to say that when they do that, all it takes is a couple of minutes for them to do it. Mm-hmm. They can wait for the nurse to walk away when you're in the hospital or after you're born and do the test and are mm-hmm, done. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was in the gifted and talented education program um, at a very young age. Um, I played competitive sports. Um, my mom, like basically threw me into swim team at age seven. I was the youngest swimmer and this was like two weeks after swim lessons. So I was like mortified of the deep end, but then, you know, was on swim team for seven years, um, was a competitive gymnast, uh, then competitive basketball player and volleyball player. Um, I, like I did everything very young and was very advanced and, um, you know, was a academic decathlete, 
Um, so, and then graduated from high school early, went to college early. So everything is pretty. And, and I think to answer your question, though, more importantly, is that with psychic abilities, I think it helps as a Lixodotin. So as a light soldier, because oftentimes they have to superficially give people certain things. Um, but if you're already psychic and you already have those metaphysical abilities, it just enhances everything. They have, they, they do have what they call synthetic, um, sonic abilities, meaning they can put an implant in your body that allows you to have a simulated effect of having sonic abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but those individuals are usually very limited in how they can be used in the programs because you can so, burn implants out. Right. So what, so, okay. So you get these spiritually gifted kids who have all this extrasensory abilities. What is it for? Because okay. they, they use them to fight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and, and so now you two met in these cages. So um, how, how did you guys find each other? Like you just saw each other and said, oh, well, I have this vision that I'm in this cage and you're, you're there too. And no, it was, how, it what was, was the deal? A testing circumstance. Um, so for instance, he was already testing with another girl, little girl, and then that didn't work out. They weren't, um, they weren't meshing. <laughs> And so they brought me in, the psychologist brought me in and then we were like instantly, but prior to that, like Will already said, we had many, many lifetimes spiritually already. Mm. That's why it just kind of, it was like, we just synced up. Okay. So with these kids, there's these stories in the SSP program of um, different people saying that they make um, adronochrome, which Green is like a, ser- a, a, a serum off of um, the children. Now, this is the one thing I don't really understand about that. Everything has a frequency, vitamin C, vitamin D, everything has a, a unique energy signature that if you study rife or energy healing technologies, you can pretty much get the combination to make the frequency for adren- ad- adrenochrome. Adrenochrome. Adrenochrome, you can make that frequency. So why do you have to do the suffering and this weird experiment with the kids? You, you can just make it out of thin air with the, the that, sound that frequency. That was my question like five years ago. So they have changed some stuff. Here, here's my, here's my, I'll be a, I'll be hyper blunt about this, right? If you're someone who's an elite and you are paying a hundred thousand dollars for an injection of this particular chemical, and you want someone to walk out and give you an injection of that chemical, you don't want you don't want something that's that looks artificial. You want the chemical. The, but the chemical has a energy, unique energy signature in and of itself. You can just create that energy signature and then just feed it to your DNA I through the technology. It's the same that, thing. Those of us that are energetically aware know this. What they I'm just want is, it anyway. They but they're just stupid. I mean, no, no, they don't want no. to do the work. No, no, it's the same. It's it's essentially it's it's just like being a junkie. You can you can make something with the energetic signature of morphine and actually do the same thing, right? Yeah. But why would you do that? Because it's cheaper and easier and cleaner, and there's less suffering involved. But you still have the you're still going to have the dopamine addiction effects that happen with the morphine, and this is exactly what happens with adrenochrome, regardless of how it's used. It has these side effects that cannot be gotten around, regardless whether it's the energetic signature or the actual chemical signature. 
And that's the real bottom line here is the fact that not only does it have these side effects if it's used, but you have all the suffering involved in the creation of it in the first place. And that's and the thing is, you have these elites that just flat out do not care. Their, their, their bottom line is they don't care how it gets created. They want it. Yeah, I, I just I just I just think that they should just like upgrade the con. I mean, I know it sounds really lower consciousness is going to find lower means to achieve the same goals. But if you're so addicted to this chemical, you can create it out of thin air, find its energetic frequency for that chemical, have it be uh, created and then send that frequency to yourself. You're going to get the same dopamine level. You're going to get the same reaction, the vitamin C and the vitamin D that you make through like uh, through sound frequencies, the uh, technologies has the same exact effect on your body as if you took the vitamin directly. But you have, but but yes, you are you have a brilliant solution, Vaughn. But you have. Some but they sick, don't want to do that. Okay. You have some sick people out there who literally will even watch this stuff before they get an injection of it, yeah. because that's how sick they are. Okay, so kind of like they're all psychopaths. Yeah. Okay. Some of them, absolutely. Yeah. Be like, we so, would, and, and it's just like, even if you go to the animal realm, okay, you have, you know, like the cows or whatever injected with the antibiotics or whatever. Well, we know that there's a much healthier way and they're finally kind of transitioning to that. But we know you can have healthier ways to manifest the food that we need, you know, right. and mm-hmm. we could have done that a long time ago. But it's like, well, come on, farmers, why don't you do this, this and this? Well, just change in general, there's so many slow adopters and there's so many people that just won't change, you know? It's like... And and think about this too, right? The lack of education. Some, but then even if you, if you, you know, lead a horse to water, sometimes you just can't make them drink, you know? (laughs) So so here's, here's my direct point to get directly at. You made a comment about them being potentially psychopaths, right? If you look at the Harvard study that was done twice, 2013 and 2018, I think, or 2017, they did two studies. They looked at the, the, the 500 blue chip companies, the top 500 blue chip companies, mm-hmm. right? 70% of these companies, when they went through and evaluated their management teams, all were ran by people who had psychopathic, sociopathic tendencies. They were literally on the, the, the psychopathic spectrum. 70%. It tells you the people that are your top performers, chances are, are psychologically unhinged. They don't care. They have zero empathy. They do not care about the outcome as long as they get the outcome they want. Uh, and these are the same spectrum of people that start off with narcissists and work their way up to full-blown psychopathy. So you have that aspect of this. And politicians, by the way. I was just going to say. And then you have D.C. (laughs) Politicians and D.C. people that try to get into high politics, meaning senators, uh, members of the House, presidencies, people that work directly around these people. Guess what? A high percentage of them probably fit that same spectrum because it's the same percentage. It attracts these people. So when you asked the question earlier, why wouldn't they just use something differently technology-wise, to create a different outcome, they don't want a different outcome. They, they look at us as being chattel. Right, so, that viewpoint is the problem. Yeah, yeah. Like, it needs to shift. And- okay, so here's a, here's a proposed solutions idea. Is anybody in those positions, you get um, 
a DNA sample of them and then stick them into some kind of the, the, a reef, a rife frequency or any kind of energy healing technology and then send them the Schumann resonance and the unconditional love frequencies and all that that programs just send it over to them. <laughs> it's like a requirement. Um, and let's see what happens. All right, well, let's, let's move on beyond the psychopaths. Okay, so I get it. <laughs> I get it. Hey, you know, you have infinity to figure it out. So You know how there's like sexual harassment training for like every company on earth, basically? <laughs> we should have like unconditional love training too. Yeah. This is the beginning of the psychopaths. You need it the most. <laughs> so, um, but hey, Source, you know, you like like we always say in Buddhism, you have infinity to figure it out. Don't yeah, worry. You'll, you'll eventually get there. Yeah. <laughs> you'll be the last one to the party, but that's okay. Um <laughs> moving on unconditional love you eventually get there moving on so um you mentioned politicians do they use clones in the ssp program because some some politicians start looking different than their other pictures of them one there's at least two or three programs that i know of that use uh clones they sell them here as a uh life extending benefit and as a protection mechanism what is that called? The program Everlasting Life that, program or something that's like Monarch, that? That's Monarch, yeah. yeah. Um, so Monarch specifically, you've got this guy, Paul Serene, who he's basically infiltrated Hollywood a long time ago. And essentially what he started doing is he started offering a lot of the A-list celebrities this idea was called Everlasting Life. And mm-hmm. essentially what happens is, is they put your 1.0 body in stasis. They transfer your consciousness into a clone. And every single time that clone dies, it rehomes back to your one point of body and they just rehome it back to a new clone body if you want. Mm-hmm. But your mm-hmm. one point of body is always safe. And they also use copies of people in areas where they think they can get away with it. For example, uh, Paul Serene, he uses a clone of um, Kevin Spacey, right? You've got the guy who runs Umbrella Corp. Uh, he's using a clone of Tom Cruise. You've got mm. an individual who runs Shaw House. She's using a clone of um, Taylor Swift because guess what? She lives in London and guess where Taylor Swift's fiance lives? In London. She literally, she literally can can move about in London and people would think that's very normal for her to do. And there's no way to differentiate between her and Taylor until you hear her talk or watch her act. Right, right. So the, yeah, the, there's a whole group of, um, of tiktokers of that are following this this chain of trying to find um videos of celebrities politicians just acting like robotic or having a fail mm-hmm. and when you see one or two and you're like oh that that's not real but then when you see it live and and people are uploading these videos and they're actually they're real videos then it's like um okay there might be something to this <laughs> so but the, yeah. the but people should go go to TikTok. You'll find plenty of these. Um, they're kind of under, I think, they're under MK Ultra or kind of like robot fails or whatever. Um, but the Katy Perry one is the most popular one. But she's like touching something, like right around the temple of her side of her forehead. Is there like a button or something? What is that? What is that doing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that it? Because her eye drops. It, her eye literally drops. And then she's touching it. She puts it back in. And then her eye drops again. And she puts it back in. It almost sounds really funny. Wow. But it's a real video. Um, and so, you know, you, you see a bunch of these. So then the other question is, because um, I watched an interview with you, Will, and you said that if you look 
into microscopic on your fingertip. There, if you are a clone, is your thumb or the first finger? Use your thumbprint. It's your thumb. Okay. If you go right into the center uh, where the sorority is, there's going to be a number. Have you ever seen anybody with that? Um, I've put the I've put the offer out there. If somebody wants to put the thumb under a microscope. I put mine under. I couldn't see anything. I put my husband's under. I couldn't see anything. So just to just for entertainment value, I want to see somebody actually have a number on their thumb. Right. Let's I, let's debunk this. Well, I literally have I literally have um I was told that in the programs because that's why they track them. That's the biological asset tag. The the secondary effect of that would be um what happens when that individual finds out they're in a clone body. And I believe that, that if they you, call you guys for a quantum hypnosis session. <laughs> right. Well, the, the, well the, that's, that opens up a Pandora's box of, um, of problems because the minute you are, you know that you're in a clone body, all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, how did I get in a clone body? And if someone's been blank slated and been heavily blank slated, this opens up again this wide Pandora's box of what happens because I can't remember. I don't know how I got into this body. Here I am looking at the numbers. Someone scanned it for me. So I would place a heavy bet if somebody was in a position where they had a body like that, they're also being targeted slash handled to, mm -hmm. to make sure that information never makes the light of day. Mm -hmm. um, mm. Because they would never, ever want that out in the public. And I've put it out there. I said, if anyone, if you, if this ever happens where somebody has one of these show up, and you need help working through this, please contact myself. Please contact Jody. We're more than willing to work with you to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we we've known people who, just like us, were also in the programs that they're they're more heavily targeted than we are, and one has to ask the question, why? So, yeah. Yeah, so everybody, if you want to do this exercise, and of course, send me the picture through the Macabre Chakras website, um, or put the link in the show uh, comments on where to find that picture on your TikTok video or your Facebook, whatever. Um, but basically, there's a lot of really cheap handheld microscopic um, instruments that you can buy on Amazon or Walmart, wherever, and they have high magnification. You just stick it on your hand, on your thumb, and you just super magnify it and then if you guys see any kind of numbers send that in we want to debunk this one because i thought this one was fascinating um okay so let's go on to the next let's go on to the next one but you know this is all fun until you're actually finding some real evidence <laughs> to substantiate what you guys are saying that you guys uncovered through your ptsd um hypnosis and um counseling sessions you guys did i found all this out it sounds like some kid made it up, but then you start finding real evidence and then it's like, okay, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's have a good conversation. So let's have a conversation about what is the deal with Nazis, aliens, and time travel and the multiverse? I know that's a big loaded question, but what's, this, what's that all about? Give us a high level overview. So essentially what has happened, um, what you have is you have multiple in the human experience there have been multiple breakaway civilizations and groups. The first ones that we know of, um, at least recorded anyhow, is um, the uh, 
what's the group that was in the Yucatan and the Aztecs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they they disappeared. There's no record of where that group of people mm-hmm. went post um, a certain date. Mm-hmm. So it has been speculated that um, they were in c- contact with a Palladian group. And that Palladian group actually migrated them off planet prior to certain cataclysms occurring here. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was also um, a group in South America called the city of Enoch. That was a breakaway group. Yeah. Same type of thing. They went off world somewhere. You also- where? Does anybody know where? Not quite. No, not no. quite. Okay. So then you've also got uh, what was left of the Knights Templar, which we believe also was another breakaway group. And then you have a modern day rendition of this, which is uh, what happened to the Third Reich. Essentially, uh, the way that lead up looks was in the 30s. There was a crash of a UFO in the Black Forest. Um, the, The German government tried to reverse engineer some of the technology. And while that was going on, they also had another group, which um, ended up becoming the, what's called the Vrildamen, uh, led by uh, Maria uh, Orsic. Maria Orsic, yeah. Mm-hmm. And basically, she was channeling all this engineered data from another group. And once this other group figured out that humans actually had ET technology down here, um, the overarching controlling species, the Draco, sent down an ambassador group, which are they're these uh, Lyran slaves, they use the Nordics, to come down and talk to the Germans, essentially um, gave them a bunch of technology, gave them ideas on how to use it, how to reverse engineer it, how to manipulate humans to create better humans, which is where the Gen, called Gen Zero super soldiers came out of, the Ubermen. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have um, Project Omega, which essentially that is the real um, that is the, the, the program that for all intents and purposes really created the breakaway German group that left earth. Um, the Germans basically started doing all of this research outside of what we call the normal military sphere and moved all of it to um, Antarctica. And so that's where you hear about base 211. Yeah. Things of that nature. Uh, Operation High Jump is another re- another kind of inference to this as well. Okay. But what ended up happening was is that they had at least two submarines that were caught that talked about the fact that they had taken um, equipment parts, high-level Nazis, food, supplies to this base. And when they asked them to describe what they saw, they said, well, we saw floating disks. We saw flying objects that were disk-like. We saw beings that were not human there. All this stuff, and these are these are these are officers who've been the the German Navy for thirty plus years, captaining a U-boat, telling mm-hmm. people this. These these guys wouldn't have said this just to be quippant about it. They they were being very blunt about what they saw. Um, the secondary element of this is once these um, individuals got to Antarctica, they essentially broke ties with the Nazi Party. And basically said, we're now, we now consider ourselves to be forthright Germans, quote unquote. Okay. Uh, yeah, because the minute you, the minute that you, you say the word Nazis, everybody think of what we know is the Nazis from this, this, uh, this timeline. So bad, bad uh, with, um, is, this, this happened is bad in, intent. So this, this, this breakaway, in, are they, this, are they bad? 
are they okay so let's 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 be clear on intent right so yeah this, ha this happened in this timeline okay 47 so we know for a fact this really happened in this timeline otherwise they wouldn't have sent you know admiral rickenbacker down there <laughs> so and and maria orsich by the way i mean we kind of like glossed over that a bit but um you know part of the thule society and all of that um and and hitler really um he counted on her to channel a lot of information for these ships and how to reverse engineer them and all yeah. of that for you know this breakaway civilization and to colonize areas out off world so you know she was channeling a lot of information um and you know that's kind of like where we are um or where where they got a lot of things back in the in the 30s 40s so when these when these u-boat captains talked about certain et species that they saw down in antarctica mm -hmm. essentially one of those groups they talked about these upright walking uh, lizards, what mm -hmm. we call today Draco. Mm -hmm. uh, the Draco essentially gave the Germans the opportunity to leave Earth. They said, we have space in an area of the moon that we own, that we occupy. Other species have their bases up there as well that they own and occupy. But if you want to build within this 20-acre area, within the Julesburn Crater, we give you authorization to do that. As long as you go into a treaty with us and give us what we need out of that treaty. And there were terms involved with this treaty. But the Germans at this point had their own craft. They had their own technology. And what they did was they agreed to this, and they actually started ferrying their people up to this base that was being built there. Now, when people say, well, that just it cannot be true, right? Okay, well, let's look at um, uh, Project Horizon. Let's look at Project Lunex. Let's look at uh, Svezda. All these were other military programs that also put bases on the moon back in the 60s, before the Apollo program began, by the way. Um, you've also got, um, you know, like Project Ice Worm, which was actually a way for us, for the U.S. military down here, to test to see if we could even survive being on the moon in conditions like this because of the temperatures and lack of oxygen. They actually tested it underneath the ice in Antarctica. So there's a lot of things that show and kind of lead and point to the direction of, we already knew this stuff was going on. Now, the testimony I think that sh people should pay attention to was a gentleman by the name of Wolf. He actually spoke at Greer's, um, uh, his press club thing in, in uh, 2000, well, 2001, uh, the, the, the club press corps in DC. He actually yeah, spoke. Club, yeah. He actually spoke there, and basically, he worked in um, a lab in Langley at for the Air Force. And essentially, they were actually doing photographs of the overflight area of the moon to find out what was there. And here's the thing: the CIA came to him and said, "We already know there's bases here. We want to see what's there. We want to understand what's already there." Mm -hmm. Why would the CIA come to somebody and start looking at photographs of a lit up base on the backside of the moon, which he fully describes, and then all of a sudden that base is there, and he's like, okay, well, that freaked me out bad enough. I didn't ask any questions. And I walked out of the room because I didn't want to know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And here's the CIA. They already know that this exists. So the question is, A, how did they know it already exists if it didn't actually exist? And B, the CIA doesn't ask questions like that unless it's real. Their job is to, is to actually differentiate and discern what is real and act on it. 
right. intelligence. And they did in this case, they found out it was real that NASA actually had photographs via their lunar orbiter that showed pictures of this base in, in the Jules Verne crater, along with others. Right. But that was the big one. And then also after World War II, we brought over Nazi scientists through Project Paperclip. Yeah. So we brought a lot of their brain power and a lot of their knowledge over here. And a lot of their party. Yes, and that's true. Well, you know, the thing with this concept of the breakaway civilizations and the, and the secret Nazi bases and all this kind of stuff is, um, well, well, obviously there is a multiverse, all right? So if there's a multiverse, how is this playing out in different versions of the multiverse? And how do they come together? Do they come together is one great big picture? You know, Elon Musk is not the first one to try to privatize space. There's governments, there's colonizations, and that has been going on for a very, very long time. And so the fact that we're just now hearing about some of this stuff and the fact that disclosure is just now happening, you know, that may just be happening, but that has not been um, like just happening up there. <laughs> That's yeah. been for a long time. <laughs> I would say I would say to directly answer your question about the multiverse. Yeah. I said this as part of my testimony. Um, I actually, the person that I am was actually born in a fourth density version of Earth. There's a parallel timeline to this timeline. So let me let me be very clear about when I say this. Um I was born October 3rd, 1932. Okay. I lived through what became the, the parallel Nazi timeline in that timeline, which is fourth density. They actually won war two and the earth essentially, um, ETs lived out in the open. We knew ETs were real there. They actually worked with the governments and the governors, they called them governors of each of the continents to actually do certain work there. And essentially what happened when they finally came under you know, that one world government, essentially um, there was a, I wouldn't call it a caste system, but that's really what it was for the caste system that was used in that governmental system. Um, I was taken from that timeline and then brought to this timeline. Who brought you? Who brought you? Was exactly. it your own consciousness or was, who brought you? Actually, as part of a program, they actually reinserted me into this timeline, into a body that was going to be born, which is the the child that my mother gave birth to. So why did you stay at that last one? What what? Why couldn't you stay at that last one? That last reality. I volunteered to come. You to volunteered that. to come there. Well, then let me ask you this about um, about that. How is that reality um, that you say you were from originally, where the Nazis won? How is that different from the reality that the author? Philip K. Dick of Man in the High Castle, um, you know, uh, Blade Runner, that author, he says that he came from a Nazi timeline where they won and it was a one world government police state, lots of tyranny. And um, and and um, he was part of Gnostic Christians secretly who, um, after a lot of casualties, they won over the tyranny. But then he died in that one and then popped into his his version of himself in this reality and still has memory of that other reality. Are are you guys talking the same reality or is this another mm-hmm. parallel? Yeah. And okay. Where we are right now 
is um, there's bleed throughs all the time. For instance, there's this one area of California in the San Francisco Bay Area. It is so prominent as far as the alternate reality, as far as just feeling like the energy in both. Mm-hmm. It's like you have one foot in one and one foot in the other. It's just, it's wild. And um, where, it, where in San Francisco? Over by the, um, the wharf? Or over by? It, it's um, near, it's the peninsula. By the gate. It's near the peninsula, um, okay. South San Francisco area. Um, yeah. And what else I was going to say is um, it's not just through PTSD and therapy and all of that where you start dealing with some of the stuff, but the blank slating can come off at any time. And these bleed through memories can just resurface at any time too. For instance, there's like this deja vu effect. Like I remember one day walking and like when, you know, Will started talking about the bases on the dark side of the moon. Mm-hmm. I like instantly knew that. And I remember um, talking to my friend who's in the DOD and he's in DC. And I, I said, you know, we have bases on the dark side of the moon. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? Putting your tinfoil hat on again? And I was like, no, you know this. You know this, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My family. And they're like, okay, where are you getting this from? And I'm just like, I just, I just know this. And there will be certain pictures or videos or smells or certain places you'll go and you'll feel it energetically. Certain things will just arise and you'll get your memories back from these different alternate realities and the different um, missions that you went on, um, different experiences that you had. Um, And so these bleed through memories are so close to the surface sometimes it's it's unbelievable and then of course you'll wake up and you will have just been used and it will feel like a dream but it wasn't a dream um we catch each other talking in our sleep all the time but we're on mission actually it's not a dream interesting interesting. okay so there is a multiverse we don't quite know how all these different versions of earth are going to intersect and how it plays in the grand picture of it all because it's a multiverse in one big bubble universe um but i have to ask this question since you guys supposedly have gone to space is the earth round yes (laughs) i know i know you're like oh god why are you asking that one okay so to open up and be fair to that conversation space tourism when they actually offer space tourism and people like us can just make it a vacation and go not just to the permit you know the 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 edge but actually go off planet then yeah then we will really have that argument of if the earth is round or not squashed um what what is is any intel on when that's going to happen because uh it doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon yeah it already has started there's people there was just an article i read Mm -hmm. that um there were a few people that already bought their tickets and they're on their way. You've already you got yeah, but they didn't. But they didn't. I, I watched some videos. They didn't go past the the firmament. They just went to the and. But I'm talking like did they, did they go to another like actually go into space into another planet? Mars. Did they go to Mars? Yeah, they were supposed to be going. You've to got Mars. you've got a group of people who have essentially already purchased their uh, one way ticket to the first colony that that Musk is building on Mars. Mm-hmm. You've also got people who, uh, so for example, let's split hairs for a minute. Blue Origin did not leave upper atmosphere. When you see William Shatner and the guys on Blue Origin, they did not 
go out. Well, that's what I'm saying. That doesn't count as being as space travel. Uh-uh. Like space you, travel means leaving the but planet. They have individuals that went with Virgin and with SpaceX who have. And this is this is my point is that you have individuals and you have, for example, the ISS, right? So explain to me how the ISS, which moves in a very cylindrical pattern, a, a spherical pattern around the Earth, spins in a certain way as the Earth is spinning. Mm-hmm. Happen if the Earth wasn't spherical. So when people tell me, well, the Earth is flat, I have, I'm going, okay, do you really not understand how physics works? Because things would not operate the same way if physics didn't work correctly. And mm-hmm. what you're saying is, is that, for example, again, ISS, I'm, I'm a ham radio operator. So I can show you where if you were to actually use an antenna and fire RF at a far distant target using a directional antenna, it follows a curved path across the curvature of the Earth. I can, sh- I can calculate it for you. I can show it to you in mathematics and physics. If that isn't true, then, then, then I mean, the Earth, if the Earth's flat, then that would not be true. Those, those two things cannot coexist in the same universe, in the same planet. Right, right. When people start getting at me and they start saying, well, physics-wise, you know, the Earth you know, has to be a certain way. I'm like, well, okay, then as Sherlock Holmes has said, show me the evidence. You know, show me where this evidence that says the Earth is flat. Because from what I'm seeing, the physics shows me that it's curved, and this is why it's curved. Well, the the other thing it, uh, for the argument also, if you're just taking a, a vi- video a satellite video, okay. Earth is huge. And so if you actually have a satellite video of the Earth, it may seem flat because it's huge. I mean, if you take a really microscopic uh, view of, I don't know, your head, it might look flat because you're looking at a small little section. But you have to blow it up on a far scale on a a great distance to see like the full um, roundness. But I do know this in, um, in quantum hypnosis, and meditation studies over thousands of years in Buddhism, in modern quantum hypnosis like QHT and others, um, Source keeps saying that everything is a bubble. Everything is a bubble. Reality is a bubble. You're a bubble, energy bubble. The universe exists within a bubble. And all the planets are a bubble. They all follow the same structure in terms of creation. Yep. So, um, but that's a fun one to, to, to ask about. Let me... Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll explain it this way to you, right? You, you brought up something that I, I can, you can kind of work off of. I mentioned earlier how time is circular, right? Right. If you look at the very small segment of time that we humans occupy on that very large circle, yes, it looks like a straight line. Exactly. But the thing is, what they don't realize is, is there is curvature to that massive circle. If you zoom out, yeah. Kind of like, it's kind of like the idea if you look at, if you ever watched the, 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 the TV series Halo, right? Mm-hmm. The ring. If you were to walk on that Halo, oh, sure, everything around you for the 10 miles in every direction looks flat. But when you look straight up and you see the, the actual curve going this way around and around behind you of this massively built object, then you realize that it's actually a, an actual curved object. And it actually is a, an actual complete circle. That, that works around its way around you. Right, right. This question is more fun because in the grand scheme of thing, it doesn't make a difference in your, in your ascension or, or anything else, but this is more fun. Um, a couple of fun questions, and then I want to close 
close close out with your, your offerings. Um, what's the deal with Atlantis and Lemuria? The SSP because this comes up again. How so? Like, what do you mean? What's up with it? What's like, it what What is the deal? How is it related to the SSP program? Oh, okay. Is there so, any relation to that? Okay, so I mean, with the Lyrans and the Lemuria and the Draco and so, all that. and Atlantis. It was a very long, long war that happened between the Lyrans and the Draco that took approximately two two million years to, to get over. You have lots of souls that were basically oppressed and crushed under this war, right? The Lyrans themselves um, lost almost every single outpost planet and colony they had, minus the five homeworlds they had. And the, those who tried to get away from that, essentially the dissidents left those worlds and went to a colony that was set up for them within the Pleiades. Now, the five homeworlds that were left, essentially, they asked how they could survive this Holocaust. And the Draco basically said, there's only one way this happens. First off, your royalty has to bend the knee to Tar Queen. Secondly, if you ever um, decide to go against our queen, we will incinerate every planet, every colonist, every colony we find of your people. Uh, thirdly, you have to give us tributes. These tributes come in the form of some of their highest, most decorated children, the same way they do here on our planet. These children are then basically taken to Draco Academies or trained to follow the queen. They're trained how to operate the same way the Draco do. And they're used as ambassadors for basically humanoid species for the Draco. They give them a, a, more, um, a more nice appearance. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, these dissidents that went to the Pleiades essentially started chatting about how they could get back at the Draco. And the minute they did, essentially the Pleiadians asked them to leave. They said, we do not want any repercussions from the Galactic Federation worlds or the Draco showing up in our system. So you have to go somewhere. Well, they ended up in this system and essentially set up three colonies. The first colony was Atlantis. The second was Lemuria. And the third was on Enceladus, which is a, a moon outside of Saturn. Now, the moon outside of Saturn, Celadus, essentially is what we would call today USS Ark Corp. It essentially is the Ark, the genetic Ark, that is all the animals, planets, and things that they brought with them. And they're still doing genetic studies there today. There even are programs at that same base today that are actually on layers above that, working with these Lyrans and trying to, to do other stuff there as well. Now, in terms of Atlantis and Lemuria, essentially the argument has been what this story gets a bit murky because people have their own egos and their own things they want to attach to it. But the story I've always heard was essentially these dissidents landed. Um, you have, they basically split from their original colony. You had one group that wanted nothing to do with the local people here, which is Lemuria. They went off and did their own thing. They wanted to be completely isolated from anybody on the planet because they felt that the local hominids and the humans that were here essentially weren't intelligent enough to be around them, and they just did not want to interfere with them at all. Then you have the Atlanteans who essentially said, well, you know, we're going to actually inter interface with these groups and see what we can do to actually create trade and maybe help them in some fashion. 
this is where you start seeing stories of these individuals coming out of the sea. For example, the Babylonians did this. You see this in many Central and Southern American cultures where these individuals come out of the sea and actually help. Uh, to give They give them culture. They give them government. They give them ideas on how to do farming, horticulture, uh, animal husbandry, all kinds of stuff. See, and I heard it the other way around. So I heard that was for the Lumerians. And I, then I heard the Atlanteans. Um, actually got so into tech and more um, in their ego they that they actually destroyed themselves. I heard the Lumerians actually tried to send ambassadors to Atlantis to try to get them to yeah. um, be more aligned and heart-spaced like they were. Um, and so, But the bottom line yeah. is that these two colonies of, of essentially Lyrans were on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what ended up happening was is when the Draco did one of their visiting rounds, because they believe this plant's theirs, Mm-hmm. They see these Lyrans here, and all of a sudden they freak out, and they're like, "Wait a minute, we're detecting Lyran life signatures on the planet. Why?" They go back to the Galactic Federation of Worlds and say, "Look, we're going to take out a blood oath to kill these Lyran dissidents because they they didn't comply with their royalty's orders." And the GFW basically came back and said, "No, we'll take care of it." And they sent in Palladian light ships. They basically sunk. The, the technology was the issue because their technology was so high that humans were actually looking at them as gods mm-hmm. and it was actually affecting their development. And when the GFW sent the Palladians in, they basically sunk the colony. Um, and the crystals specifically are the issue there, by the way, the, the, the Atlanteans had developed these crystals that can be used to do all kinds of timeline, time and energy manipulation. And there's information. Yeah. They store, get... they store information in them, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the secondary effect of this is also there's a war going on between the Lemurians and Atlanteans at this point, too. And they were using uh, gravimetric and other types of weapons against each other. And when when the last set of weapons went off and this other stuff from uh, orbit happened, essentially both of the colonies sunk under the waves. Now, the, the speculation is that the colony that was Lemuria is in what is now Yanaguni. There were some um, survivors that scattered in many places, including mm-hmm. some um, Middle Earth or um, even like, for instance, in yeah. Shasta. Um, so like in Telos is what they're calling it. I have, um, you know, my family and ancestors who are from the Shasta area, which is the first chakra of the earth. And so there's a lot of energy there, a lot of Lumerian energy. Mm-hmm. When I go up to Shasta, I see like blues everywhere in the mountains the, the trees and mountains are singing it's amazing so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i did an episode on, on um the lemurian um civilization telos in uh, mont chasta they're actually giving tours to fifth dimensional humans to go in and go through that portal um but the idea is essentially that once they were wiped out the draco were essentially told you have to leave the humans alone for a certain number of years. Mm-hmm. They ignored that order from the GFW. They still continue putting their hybrids and other individuals here to influence humans. Um, and then essentially we are, where we are today because of all of that. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I keep hearing the same thing um, with all of these, uh, this discord, the, the solution for everyone is really simple. It's really simple. And I, I know, you know, it, the solution is that everyone's Christ consciousness, you all connected, you all directly connected to the source within yourself and within each other. You can all energy heal yourself and you can all 
live peacefully and, and create whatever you want it's with your consciousness within the matrix um that's basically it. You, you you came here to create joy and love and experience that. And instead, what do you do? You throw sand and, and hit each other. So whatever. If it takes you infinity to figure that out, you'll figure that out. But the solution has always been there and it's simple. Um, let me ask you this. Let me say this. The SSP program is debated, but there is much legitimate information out there to support it. For example, the University of Georgia did a symposium presentation on the future of super soldiers in the age of AI and the U.S. military is currently recruiting for the space program. So anybody who wants to join the military, you can join the space program. The links are in the show description. Mm -hmm. Also, the super soldier program and the space force would not get their funding and be initiated as a new branch to the U.S. military without a long history of existing operations running these trials. So it's logical to acknowledge that the secret space program, in, in order to understand why the funding into the Space Force and the Super Soldier program was approved, is because they've already run these programs before. This is what you guys are talking about, the secret space program. And so uh, if you're going to get into um, conversation with all these other beings, not all, they're not all at the higher levels, then you go into these metaphysical topics and this technology and it gets really convoluted. But um, anyways, the kids would play what the, how they want to play in the sandbox. But um, my question is, if the SSP program is true, which a lot of evidence show that it is, do you think that the world governments and corporations would ever acknowledge it and compensate the suffering done onto participants and their families? I say acknowledge, yes. Compensate, not too sure about that. Really? Mm. I would also mm. I'll also say this. I think they've already done an acknowledgement inadvertently. The reason why I say that is this. Um, if you look at what happened with the ATIP videos that came out uh, from 2004 to 2018, when those videos were released and then acknowledged by the Senate. And then you go back and look at how those videos even transpired and were actually processed, meaning by Luis uh, Elizondo, mm -hmm. right? When he, when his group did the research on this and conclusively proved that this was not human technology doing this, um, that specifically in and of itself is a disclosure. But Henry Henry Reed Harry Reed Harry, yeah. sorry Harry Reed mm -hmm. uh, Senator for for uh, Nevada, Nevada mm -hmm. he said it in this video that we were watching he literally said this he said there was a, a subcommittee and inside the appropriations committee that handles all of the dark money in the U S mm. because what you need to understand is is they handle all the programs for these for these unacknowledged programs and more importantly they make a fifty seven percent of the budget of the of the Congress now. Listen to this. Understand this. We're $22 trillion in debt. 57% of that was shoved into these programs. What does that tell you? These programs are monstrous. But what is the intent for all these programs? So, so they're, trying to, they're trying to militarize space. They're trying to get people off of Earth to make us intergalactic. Okay. For intergalactic, we get recognized by the GFW. That plan simple. 
Plus, there's certain types of research they can't do on Earth without risking people's lives here. So they send people to other planets where they can destroy the planet, and it's no big deal. And when, once they're done, they go, yep, that, that technology failed, but we didn't kill anybody. So, okay, great. This is the reason why they want to get people off planets. So they can do this type of research. And the thing is, we already have huge, voluminous amounts of information from different insiders and people who've been in the programs for the last 20 years, probably, or better, that have already stated clearly, not only do these programs exist, but these programs are developed, they're using technology that we developed way before they actually got into the programs. So remember the time of exploration on our planet in the, in European days and all of that? Yeah, exploration, expansion, uh, colonization. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. So now it's space exploration. Okay. So it's not right. on this planet anymore. It's, it's, right. it's up in space. And as far as the multiverse is concerned, I mean, you have people already there doing that. We have had them. And Eon's the multiverse and time travel are interchangeable because everything's a bubble reality. So far yes. back, you know. Yes. And, okay. and eons ago, though, there has been a structure and organization in place. I mean, Divine Creator has already put that in place. If anybody's read or heard of the Urantia book, I mean, you may not believe everything that's in there, but they at least have a model of the structure and organization that's part of the multiverse. And um, mm. it, it always has been. We even, you know? even on a smaller scale, if you look at the Kabbalah, for example, when you look at just the Sephirotic Tree of Life, mm -hmm. that gives you an idea of what the multiverse technically looks like on a, on a small scale. Mm -hmm. Essentially, what you're looking at is you're looking at layers of densities that all coexist at the same time. Even string theorem talks of this idea that it's always 10 plus n is, is the number of realities that could coexist at one time. Yeah. What we're seeing here is, is this idea that as certain realities no longer have feasibility, and they collapse back in on top of other realities. That's what we're seeing currently in our timeline. Personal Mandela effect. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You're talking about okay. Yeah. yeah, because they have this concept of parallel realities and the multiverse um, in Buddhism and Hinduism, going all back to the continent of Mu, and all of the ascended masters are basically people who mastered the matrix, have dominion of it, and um, have ascended their frequency to do that. They call they call them ascended masters, like. Yeshua, Miriam, Kuan Yin, Buddha, et cetera. The list goes on. St. Germain, whatever. So the list goes on, and we all have the ability to do this. At some point in infinity, we're all going to figure out how to do that and spiritually evolve to that. But we've talked about this for, for, for ages, and there's nothing new. But the the thing that is that that is interesting now is it's all of this is being used for what? Star Wars? I mean, <laughs> I don't know how to wrap my brain around, like, why would, what, what do you get? What do you get out of it? I don't get so, it. So here's, here's an example of how this technology is being used. There's a certain point at which you, you can only abduct so many people on this planet without it getting noticeable. Uh -huh. So how do you get around that when, when the genetic material is the actual currency of the universe? You have mm -hmm. to create. You have to create plants whereby you create clones of these individuals and sell them. DNA. Yeah. DNA. That is the currency of the universe. I have seen. I've seen numerous instances where we didn't trade gold. We didn't trade silver. We didn't trade diamonds. We traded human livestock as the currency by which we got new technology. This happened over 
and over and over again. And we can't, you can't, so for example, when mm. I first got into the programs, 2 million people a year were coming up missing. It became such a large issue that the programs essentially had to tailor that off and move all of that operation to Mars and then out, off of Mars out of the system. And the reason why they did that was because they had to have a way to have this genetic material to give to these ETs that was viable, but yet it wasn't coming from Earth. And this is the number one reason why you see groups like, for example, you hear people talk about the ICC, right? The Interplanetary Corporate Conglomerate, right? Their, their number one motivator is doing research on genetic material of every species, including humans, that they come in contact with to find out what can they use of this material. And that's like, for instance, our sacred texts. They have clues as to these things that we're talking about. For instance, the story, the biblical story of Noah's Ark. Okay, yep. Will talks about the Ark Corp. Okay, so well, in Noah's Ark, he was told by by God, okay, to take two by two of every species, okay, so to build an ark. Put them in storage. Put them and take them because of the flood coming, right? So if you think about it, okay, in, in relation to what we're saying, basically two of every species DNA to take, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the intricacies of and layers of different texts that we have in every faith, you know, in every belief system, you're going to find different answers to these questions, universal questions. And why do you need two by two, right? Well, you need breeding stock. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to ask, I'm going to, I was going to wrap this up, but I'm not, now I have to ask this question. Okay. So um, well, why the need for human slavery for, I mean, obviously like technology, once you get to a certain point, technology is just as, as mundane as the last hottest fashion um, because people can replicate and do whatever. And so I understand that the DNA is valuable, but um, some people will, given the choice, will donate their eggs, they will donate their sperm, you know, uh, and so there's a fair exchange because they're doing it in free will. But there seems to be this element of kind of like human slavery or um, of of not being integrous in how you do this, so that's that element that um that doesn't seem really to jive very well because there's no integrity in that method. The other thing also is if you take basic DNA of like a frog or a monkey or whatever, and you change the frequency, you can change the DNA to whatever you want it to be. So that will completely be more integrous than this human slavery method. Does well, that make sense? You have the Draco who essentially... We're talking about the psychopaths again? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> they went to the Germans and basically said, this is what we're negotiating. We want X number of, of humans, specifically these types of humans. Can you provide these to us? And they said, yes. That's what started the whole the whole world slavery process, mm. Mm. because they they made those terms, and the humans here agreed to it. Now, when you look at the Treaty of Granada, right, or Griada, that that treaty specifically with Eisenhower and off-world species, he also agreed to this. He agreed with that species as well, basically saying that yes, you can abduct humans as long as they come back unharmed. Why, what happens in almost every single one of those abduction scenarios? They take DNA samples, 
they take eggs, they take sperm, and they create hybrids every single time. Why? Because they need they need that genetic material to continue the, for the continuation of their species. Yeah, yeah. The the only thing that is not that I don't see integritous about this process is the disclosure. Um, if you disclose you're going to do something and there's an agreement between two entities, they have to remember the contract that they signed. So if they completely get wiped memory clear, then that negates the contract. Okay. The contract has to be remembered. That's why we have it in physical form so we can look at it. That's the integrous way of making agreements. If they don't remember it, that negates the validity of that. So all of these agreements that are being discussed as to why we're doing this and that with the human slavery, blah, 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 they've all been negated because they've taken out free will. And so free I, will has a, has remembrance. I so hear what, what you're saying, Vaughn, but here's the thing. Many of us have forgotten when we came to this 3D world, our contracts prior to coming. Yeah. For instance, in, in the, some people call it the pre-existent realm, right? Mm -hmm. We forgot our contracts we even made with deity or our council, our heavenly councils or with each other, yeah. you know, but that to me does not negate my contracts with Will or my contracts with my daughter or my contracts with my loved ones or, you with, know, with my, source. right with source, with people I meet who are very positive that mm -hmm. I say, hey, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm coming down and I'm helping you to remember who you are, to remember your contracts as well. I don't think that negates that, but I do hear what you're saying about some of these egregious things that are happening. Mm -hmm. you know? I do believe that somewhere in time or even out of time, this was part of our contract. Um, we did agree to these things because at some point it's the evolution of the species and People who were involved doing these egregious things are going to, it's going to come to light and they're going to be held accountable at some point. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's going to be more of a testimony against them of what they're doing. And understand this right. too, right? Just because we don't have a copy of the contract doesn't mean the contract doesn't exist. Right. This, right. this, this is the other side of this whole argument that I, that I always seem to get into with people where it's like they try to use uh, what's called a negative assertion argument to basically say well because this contract doesn't exist this doesn't happen well that's not true we we know for a fact that there have been many people that have talked about this some people even witnessed these interactions where the draco have came to certain bases certain locations and taken away certain groups of people as part of this contract mm -hmm. and the bottom line is just because we're not privy to that contract doesn't mean it's not there Secondly, and more importantly, what I would say is that with this whole idea of these contracts, we've had politicians and people in, in power who've essentially been in what we would call in our religion, they've been in positions of unrighteous dominion. And these people who've been in this unrighteous dominion are the ones that are going to have the, the reaping the after effects of this. Yeah, yeah in the life review. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly right. Um, Right, right. So many aspects of this to break down for, for healing because a lot of the people are healing, they reach their frequency, they're evolving into higher levels of consciousness and, um, and energy. So if somebody feels that I think 
I might have some of this PTSD. I might, I might have some kind of link to the SSP program and they want to uncover that so they can heal. Um, what services do you guys offer to people mm-hmm. to help them? We do, we actually have um, what we call our standard sessions, which is where we do a mix of modalities to help people. Those are typically shorter. Uh, we also do energy healing. We do etheric uh, auric field uh, cleansings. We do auric field healing. We do uh, Reiki work. We do shamanic journeys. Shamanic I journeys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do uh, SSP information access sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also do again QHST. QHST. Uh-huh. So we have a lot of different stuff we offer. Do you do you offer remote hypnosis, quantum hypnosis, other modalities too? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I know I know that that's something that um, I know Julia and, and some of the other people at our school have kind of like frowned upon it initially, initially pushed back on it. But I think with COVID and some of this other stuff that's going on, I think that there are people that feel way more comfortable doing it remotely than they do in person for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So for safety reasons, I think that um, it's, it's something that we as practitioners almost have to adopt to a certain degree because we have to meet these people wherever we can to get them the healing they need. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we, we do the business we do. I mean, our, we have, we have uh, our website, uh, it's site. It's back up. Cause for a while we had it down and we just had people emailing us yeah. because our schedules were everywhere crazy, but Chaotic. now it's back up. <laughs> okay. Secondly, um, on Facebook, we do have uh, a services with Jody and Will page mm-hmm. and a discussion group there as well. Uh, we do have, um, if they want to get a hold of us, they can email us directly at jodi11 will 3 at gmail.com. Uh, they can also get a hold of us. Um, we have our link tree up, but I think our link tree is having some issues. So I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll be fixing that. And then I also have a show called Guided, helping mm-hmm. you navigate your divine yep. journey, which I hope to have you on, Vaughn. Oh yeah, I'll talk about the Buddhist uh, version of of the stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, and um, I have Will on. I've had you know um, remote viewers who were formerly in the CIA as yeah. well. I have healers from all different modalities, authors from all over the world. So you know that's a fun show to watch as well. Yes. It goes yeah. in alignment with yours as well. It's called Guided Helping You Navigate Your Divine Journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys should definitely uh, check that out. Um, for anybody who'd be interested in services, getting contacts any one of these ways that you, you want to. Um, and we typically do what we call a consultation service as well. If somebody comes to us and they're not really sure as to what either a what they need or b what's going on, we recommend going the consultation route. And basically, what that is is us sitting down talking via Zoom, mm-hmm. figure out what services best match the issues that that individual is dealing with, mm-hmm. and, how, and what kind of outcome do they really want. Mm-hmm. So, I, as you know, with QHHT, you can create some life-altering effects. But the person has to be willing to do the work and have the time in order to do that work. Right, right. Outcomes. Well, do you have a last message for people to get through this trauma? Um, okay, so I would say based on at least my own experience and what I've seen of Jody, uh, I would say that you can, in fact, get through this if you're willing to apply yourself and make sure that you're doing the work that you need to do. 
secondly, and more importantly, healing is possible. The divine creator will heal, can love, and make whole whatever your issue may be. Um, I also think, too, it's an awareness thing. Mm-hmm. Because healing is is an awareness issue. It's about knowing the fact that you do have something that may need to be addressed. So when people come to that point of awareness where they say, okay, yeah, I do have this thing that I need to work on. I need to kind of, you know, deal with this, whatever it might be. Um, the next question is the how. And that's where we come in as practitioners, right? The three of us all kind of come in that same boat. But Jody and I specifically, we definitely have our flavor of, of clientele. Um but those individuals, um, some of these clients, some of these clients of ours have also became good friends of ours too. So it's it's one of these things where as they're going through their um, their struggles in their lives, um, they're also sometimes helping us too. So it's like it, it, there is a, sometimes a mutual healing effect that happens to this as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just want to say that everybody has within themselves all of the resources that they need. Yeah. We are just facilitators. They are their own healers. And so, you know, anytime that a person feels that they are ready to be in alignment and do the work, they have everything that they need. They have absolutely everything that they need. And even that little call for help to divine source, even if it's that little like, I need help, that could be a simple prayer even. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, the universe will conspire to support them and help them. And even if it's just a little walk in the outdoors, they'll just start thinking about things. Things will be downloaded to them. Um, even if it's a little nap when they wake up, you know what? They'll have the resources they need. Yeah. So now is the time to just be aware of what you need for alignment. And so I just want to say thank you very much for having us on. Oh, I this was a wonderful discussion, Miss Jody Renosa and Mr. Will Nutter. I have to have you guys back so we could just talk about quantum hypnosis and kind of swap notes on um, what we're getting and what the heck is happening to our reality um, with regards to that. <laughs> but um, I thank you both for helping others heal through the SSP, PTSD. There's a lot of acronyms here. <laughs> SSP. PTSD and Source would like you two to write your SSP book series going over all the different areas of the Secret Space program. Um, also, please do not cram it into one fat book, okay, which is easy to do. Will, that's for you. Don't cram it into one fat book. <laughs> take, take subject matters, Bite one size. book. <laughs> Next subject matter the the next volume and because it's, it's going to be a series okay and you have a lot in yeah. there and both of you when you unpack all that then you'll leave space for your consciousness to bring new stuff in and elevate because you clean out the closet with the older stuff so the book series when you guys write the book series hit me up I definitely want to do book interview on the contents of that um and for the audience, for more information about Will and Jody's offerings, please see the show descriptions for those links. Um, their link tree and the other sites are going to be there. And I thank you kindly to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. 
For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.